0: Welcome to the Nick and Matt Show, bringing the player interviews you want to hear and the hot topics you want to discuss. Recording live in studio, here's Nick and Matt.
1: It's so good.
2: What's going on, everybody? Episode 152, and instead of Ben and Evan, it's going to be Nick and Evan yes. co-hosting the show tonight. Uh, this episode is presented by Cosmic DG. Um, go shop all your cosmic needs over at cosmicdg.com. One of the biggest things we talk about every single week, if you are a tournament director and you want to do the end of the year stuff and get paid for it, check out cosmicdg.com. This will also be absolutely huge if the D tiers and stuff like that happen for next year with the Flex starts and everything. So go over to cosmicdg.com, shoot them an email and get set up in that Evan, how you doing?
1: I'm doing pretty good, Nick. how are you doing?
2: I'm doing great. Just enjoying a nice week. Just got back from the beach, went out to the Outer Banks for the first time, played some golf, sat on the beach all day, and uh, enjoyed a nice little vacation.
1: Yeah, I uh, I didn't get to have that much fun. It was a good weekend, but not not going to the beach yeah. and hanging out and all that good stuff.
2: No, it was great. Um, This show is going to act a little bit differently tonight. We don't have Matt with us. And so the talking, we're going to have to do our part to uh, up the talking on our end. We're also going to have to interrupt each other and, you know, join in on the interviews. I'm just kidding. We love uh, and Matt's Chops. He's actually out glamping this week, I think, out in New York with his family. So he's enjoying that. But tonight we actually do have on Valerie Mandahano. She will actually be joining us very shortly. And we'll be talking about her awesome win over at Idlewild. And then Jeremy Kohling and Parker Welk are still up in the air right now. We are hoping to solidify them mid-show, but we should have Jeremy Kohling on after a fantastic finish for him. And then Parker Welk will also be talking to us a little bit about how we can help support his hometown out in Maui, as I'm sure everyone has seen. Hawaii has been devastated right now with the wildfires. So we are going to talk to Parker a little bit, just to talk about his season, his ankle, and then also talk about best ways that we can help support Hawaii. But Ben uh, is also interning and producing tonight. So if anything goes wrong, we can all blame Ben, but Ben, do we have Valerie in the green rope? Yes, we do already. All right. We might as well bring her right on in then. Cool. Sounds good. Welcoming Valerie right. Mandahano, your 2023 LWS a Wild Open winner. And here she is. Valerie, can you hear us? I can. Awesome. And... We just, first off, want to say congratulations on such an awesome weekend. Seeing you kind of come off of an injury and then be able to win, and I would say a very dominant fashion, especially going into that last round, just playing very smooth and consistent. Talk to us a little bit about the weekend in general.
3: Uh, Honestly, it was a long week. I mean, starting off... Finishing off Ledgestone, I think my body was just so drained and tired. I haven't played a full round tournament in a while, um. So going into Idlewild, I tried my best to just like watch what I do, not walking um unnecessary things. I guess mm-hmm. like I was just so tired going into it to where I felt like I was just playing terrible practice rounds, and I think I was just getting mentally drained just from the practice rounds being so terrible. To me walking off halfway off one of our practice rounds i think i was on like hole 12 or something and i told um mason alexis like i'm gonna go do field work i can't take this anymore i can't get my throw down my pot doesn't feel good so i'm gonna go sit in the field and figure this out if you guys want to join you guys can join or just stay continuing the practice round they stood to continue the practice round um i went to the field and i threw as many shots possible Um, I worked on every part of my game in that field, and I felt like that's what I really needed for my game to click. Mm -hmm. Um, I still didn't feel like it was the greatest thing because obviously, disc golf is one day it'll be on perfect, your game, and the next it'll be like you'll feel like the worst player ever. That's just the way disc golf goes. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember calling my mom that night and telling her how I felt, and I was just like, I don't want to play this event. I just, my game just already feels off. I just really had this terrible mindset going into it. And um, she reminded me of Portland last year where she's like, you felt the same way. You weren't practicing the best. You didn't have the best practice rounds. Um, You didn't really want to play the tournament. You wanted to go home, but you end up winning. What if this is the same case? And so I said, okay, I'll stick it out and see what happens. So I think having that mindset of I could win, but I also could play the worst golf of my life. I said, don't have any expectations going into this round. And I just felt like, uh, yeah, the week was a long draining week
2: when you go out into the field and you're talking about before the tournament starts what are you focusing or what do you feel like you know you improved on in the field
3: I think for me the whole time I was playing um ledgestone, I felt like I didn't get enough reps into my throw or into my game like I knew how it should feel but I didn't get the feeling of the shot and it was my putting my upshots my beforehand and my driving everything just felt like i know what i was supposed to be doing but i I didn't feel like i was doing any of it and i feel like when i went into the field i wanted to fill my throw i wanted to fill my pot i wanted to at least know what it felt like to throw a good shot
2: okay now this is actually the first time that we've had you on in 2023 i think and this was a big move from your previous sponsor which was dynamic discs into Discraft this year made it up already onto the elite team. Talk to us a little bit about how it's been switching manufacturers in the off season and coming into the 2023 season. I know we have the ankle injury, so that kind of derailed a little bit. But since you've been able to start playing again, how has it been?
3: Yeah, I mean, I feel like my relationship with Discraft is amazing right now, especially considering the ankle injury. They handled it pretty well. I feel like they handled it the best that anybody could have, to be honest. So it took a lot of stress off my back um i feel like the switch of the plastic was a little harder for me than what i thought it was going to be just because i couldn't break anything in in the off season mm-hmm. um obviously i didn't play for five months so it was like oh well i have all these discs that i know or what i think they should be doing they're not doing just because i haven't broke anything in um what actually did help me was Kodo, a tournament in austin mason played mm-hmm. um i went home a day early and he stood out there and somebody was vending and had a bunch of disc craft stuff so i remember him calling me saying like hey this guy has a bunch of you stuff i'm gonna pick up some stuff for you and uh we'll see if it flies good and he brought home probably like 40 discs And it was a bunch of beaten mantises you name it undertakers zeuses and he was just like let's go to the field and let's do field work and let's see how they fly for you and honestly it was a lot of stuff that i was missing from my bag um it's a lot of the discs that I still carry to this day, and I feel like that's what really gave me the confidence boost that I needed to go on tour.
2: Very cool. Evan, do you have any cool stats coming off of the weekend?
1: Well, I have some cool stats, but first, I it, not quite as much of a, a, a stat as more of a, a thought is if I look at all of your wins, they all have been kind of won in dominant fashions. Maybe not like the whole final round, but kind of by the time you tap in that uh, final putt in hole 18, it's a pretty dominant win. Uh, Some come on hold 17, like at Waco. This one was kind of the middle of the back nine. Uh, Do you feel like that's a coincidence that you have a lot of dominant wins? Or do you think it just, uh, it kind of plays to your game well in that sense?
3: I think it kind of plays to my game. I've said this ever since I was an amateur. So when I win, I don't want to just win by a stroke. I want to win by a good amount. And I'm not saying that's my intention every week, but I think it's just something that I play in the back of my mind. Um, I told myself going into the second round, like, okay, you have to shoot a decent round to get some pace going. I didn't know what the pace was. Like, I didn't know I was leading by four going into the third round and I didn't know I had a, I think eight stroke lead up until 16. So it's like, I think it's just more subconscious than anything.
1: Yeah. And then I also want to touch on you playing on the lead card with your sister, Alexis. Now, uh, are, are you the older sister are you the, Yes. yes? Um, you've played on the lead card with her. Uh, this is the second time you guys have played on a lead card together at a Golf pro tour event. Um, you now have four wins on tour. Uh, she's still searching for her first. Do you feel like that you're getting these wins and really good finishes and she's close. Does it feel like a, a big sister type of thing or, or how does that feel uh, like wanting the best out of your sister, but also wanting a win for yourself as well?
3: Yeah. Um. Gosh, I feel like we've, had this same journey since amateurs because we've been competing so long with each other um of course i want to win and i feel like i like established this and amateurs at one point i felt bad whenever she didn't win and i did but i noticed that that was affecting my game and then that wouldn't be the best for both of us i wouldn't be able to push her but i also wouldn't be able to be the best of myself and so you know i vowed that i'm never gonna let her win um by my end i always want to play the best and i want to be the best and i feel like in the end it will make her become the best version of herself um it's hard for me obviously seeing her struggle and being her seeing her so close to a win just because it's that older sister i think in me that comes out and i'm like i want her to play well i hate seeing her not play well because i just i want to help her as an older sister but there's nothing i can do um and there's even like times in the round when she's having a rough hole so like hole 16 i think uh round two she went be i think twice and i just wanted to run up to her and hug her and tell her you know everything's going to be okay but i knew deep down inside that that would probably make her cry and i'd probably cry and that's not the best thing for us but it's just that big sister in me where i hate to see her struggle at the same time
1: so hey, how's- how go, go, ahead. Oh, go ahead no no, no you're good, good. Oh, uh, okay, fine. It's me. All right. I choose. Um, we're, we're getting, <laughs> thanks, Ben. Uh, we're quickly getting to the end of the season. We're hitting our first playoff event. We have worlds coming up soon, but I want to jump a little bit further to tour championship with the win here. You get your spot clinched, um, but because of your injury and missing so much time, it was a, a little bit in doubt. If you would have made the tour championship, was that coming into your mind to try to get a win or like really push To get into the tour championship or were you just kind of considering it a a wash with missing so much time
3: i think going into my season which is i don't know a month and a half ago now um i set a goal and i was like okay that's my goal is i want to get into tour championships um once i was playing the way i was i was like yeah i don't think i'm going to be able to get in anytime soon um and to be honest winning this I was completely oblivious to the situation that I was able to get in by a win until Mason told me yesterday night he's like you know this means that you're playing tour championships right I was so oblivious to me and Lucky were talking about her going back home and she was saying after tour championships she'll be there for the tournament but she won't be playing and I told her yeah I'll be there but I won't be playing as well and then I walked off to go throw a shot that's me not even realizing if I won the tournament I wouldn't be able to play so uh yeah it was a good surprise I'd say
2: No, I definitely agree. Um, I think a lot of people are still oblivious of that. I remember we were talking about it a few weeks ago. I think actually when Parker had won DDO and I was like, oh, I didn't even realize that was something where if you win, you get into the tour championship. So definitely cool that they're doing that this year. Uh, Last year, you were, I think, RVing around the country. Is that still the means of travel this year? And if so, how has that been?
3: Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm, I'm in the RV right now. We're still RVing it. I feel like for me, it's the best case just because I'm a homebody. And if I'm able to get an RV and make it my home for a short amount of time, I think I'm going to play better and I'm going to relax better. Um, we tried Airbnb in it. we'll still do it occasionally. When some of our friends get into town, we'll Airbnb it. But for the most time when it's just us three, we're RVing it. And, uh, I love it. I love the RV life, honestly. Um, I just feel I feel like I keep telling everybody that, like, oh, yeah, you should get an RV, and it's the best way to travel. Um, but I'm completely biased about it just because I own an RV. There you
2: go. A um, little bit of kind of goals for the 2023 season before the big win. What were your goals coming into the season after the injury? And then is the injury still kind of lingering right now? Do you feel like it's, you know, 90% healed? How do you really feel from it?
3: Um, goals? I tried to not give myself goals, but I also, I am me. So I had like top five finishes. Um, I at least wanted to win two before the end of the season, which I made these goals before playing on the pro tour um, this year. So I feel like I have to rearrange my goals now, winning and seeing that I'm capable of them. Um, For the ankle, I know last when I saw my physical therapist, he said I was about 85% healed and that was right before I played DDO. Um, you just said that my ankle is very loose compared to my right one right now. And I'm just super careful with it. Honestly, it feels good. It feels better than it's felt in a while. Um, I get pain once in a while, but that's when like the cold starts coming. Uh, let me think, but yeah, I mean, it feels amazing right now. I, if I had to say that I felt healed, I'd say I felt healed, but I'm not a doctor.
2: Yeah, no, I get what you mean um talk to us a little bit we got the playoffs coming up we've been in a really i would say grueling stretch of disc golf tournaments it just seems like they're back to back to back right now we got playoffs coming up and then the world championships the end of the year the pro tour finale just talk to us what it's like mentally you know knowing that you still have another month and a half to two months of really grinding it out on the tour right now
3: honestly i feel like it's a bittersweet thing for me because part of me is like wow i just started Mm -hmm. and I can't wait to you know attack the season. But the other part of me is like, wow, we have tournaments back to back. Like you said, Um, me coming off Ledgestone, I got a little bit of a taste of that where it was like, well, I don't get a break. And it was a four day event. Now we're going to a three day event. And now we're coming back to a four day event. Um, But at the same time, I'm trying to look at it as an advantage I have. Like, okay, I didn't really have to push myself at the beginning of the year. Now I have to make that big push. And I have to not only get points for, obviously, my Twitter card next year, but also um, my elite, elite spot on the Discraft team. So in a way, I'm looking forward to it. I'm also wanting to see how much, I guess, myself is capable of performing.
2: Evan, you got anything?
1: Uh, I mean, I'm when people try to analyze your game, I think very well-rounded, composed, just like kind of clinical when you look at your game, what would you consider your like best skills that if, if you just had to describe to anyone, Hey, this is what I'm best at in the sport of disc golf.
3: Honestly, I, I don't know. I feel like I've tried to think about this before, but I'm the worst, um, to pinpoint my game. I think I'd have to ask Alexis. She could probably answer that question better than I can. Um, all I do know is I want to get more consistent. I feel like I'm not consistent enough, if I'm being honest. And I feel like Kristen showed us that being consistent is not impossible.
1: Well, here we go to the next one. You've you've beaten Kristen outright before, uh, so it's not that you, you can't do that or haven't done that, but she's uh, obviously notably not in the field the last few events until Worlds. Does the wind feel different at all? Does it feel just as good as ever? Do you Are you hungry? to then show people that you can beat her in this terrific season she's having?
3: Mm, I don't think it feels different because she's not here. Because I feel like with her not being at Ledgestone, a loss still felt like a loss to me. Um, I feel like I feel like I'm capable of beating her as long as I'm on my game. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to Worlds. I feel like we all have a chance. I feel like it's not written in the in history yet. So
2: there we go. can you talk to us a little bit just about the I would say FPO season in general right now we've seen so many unique winners throughout the last couple of years especially and we've seen a lot of FPO players take such great strides in their game Can you talk to us just about the what the competition's been like nowadays versus when you first kind of came into the scene?
3: Yeah I mean I felt like when I first walked into playing pro tour events it was uh, Katrina and Paige Pire like, you knew that it was one or the other that were winning. Now I feel like it's anybody's week. Like anybody can win. Um, I feel like the competition has definitely picked up. And if you don't watch it, you can end up finishing in top 20 very easily. I feel like when I left or when I played last year, I was like, okay, top five, top 10. And that's it. That's the worst I can do. Um, now it's like I'm missing the cut because I'm not on my A game. And I feel like because of the field that we're in now and how much women's disc golf is developing and growing. I feel like Um, everybody's just getting better, honestly. It's just becoming almost, I feel like as competitive as the men's field now. Before you would just Mm -hmm. see um, a two-man race and now it's anybody any week.
2: No, definitely. And then I would say kind of when you were, let's say an amateur looking on the outside in into the pro tour scene and then also first getting onto the pro tour scene, how has it been Has it been just the most immaculate experience in the world now that you're a multiple time winner on the disc golf pro tour or are there still things that you're looking to kind of see flourish with the pro tour
3: um i feel like it has gotten better in the last few years i definitely feel like we're getting that professional um title in a way because i feel like before when I was an amateur, I would tell people like, oh, yeah, I disc golf or I want to become a professional disc golfer. And they would kind of like, "Okay, well, what is that? And then I'd get a lot of the well, maybe you should go to college first and think about what you want to do. And now when I tell people what I do for a living, they have a lot of respect towards it. And they're like, wow, that seems like that's a lot. And it's in a professional sport. Um, And I'm very proud to say that I am you know, a professional athlete because I feel like disc golf has become Uh, a professional athlete's mindset if you want to be winning or top 10 every week you have to be in your best version of yourself that week um i also feel like there is some good and bad about being on the tour and i feel like that's normal with anything you know nobody ever goes to work and saying oh i have the best job ever you know it's it's perfect all the time i feel like there's always going to be good and bad no matter what you do in life
2: Mm-hmm. i think it's always nice when you can tell people yeah i just made seven thousand dollars playing disc golf for you know a week i think that's a pretty awesome thing i was just looking at uh, one of the things that we're going to talk about later in the podcast is just the amount of money that players are winning so f- uh-oh so- did we lose nick
3: yeah it
1: happens I think so. <laughs> it happens oh, finish
2: his
1: thought yep. oh oh no yep. no, no he's nope, back in he's my back okay, okay. Yeah. okay. okay. We'll sorry we'll about know, that i was
2: gonna say it earlier i might cut out a little bit my internet out in virginia is a little wonky but um yeah. Anyways, I was just saying it's pretty nice when you tell someone you made $7,000. Um, you got married recently within the last year to Mason Ford, um, also mm-hmm. who switched companies, went to Mint Discs this year. Um, how has it been just being able to travel with your partner? And obviously your sister is tagging along as well. Just how has it been being able to kind of travel as a family together?
3: Honestly, I tell people this all the time. It feels like we were already married. It honestly does. Um if anything, we kind of just sealed it more than anything. We're just like, yeah, we're stuck with each other for life. And now you really have to deal with me. Um, (laughs) With Alexis, just whenever she's gone, it just feels like a missing piece. We're just like a little family. We always make a joke where we're like, you're like our daughter or you're like our kid. And that's what she says. She's like, I feel like you guys are my parents half the time. (laughs) So I think without one or the other, it would just feel so weird.
2: Definitely. And I guess kind of my last question before we let you go, Evan, if you have anything more as well, vermont world championships What's the uh what are the goals what's the game plan going into it
3: obviously i'd love to win um but if not i want to at least at least be in the top five finish mm-hmm. i know last year i was in the running for top five and i messed it up on hole i think 17 oh, i'm so mad about it and i'm finishing at top 10 um but that's my goal of that and at least to like make all my putts in circle one i feel like that was one of my good goals of last year and i mm-hmm succeeded i would think i finished like top two and like the finishing of putting points um so there
2: you
1: go awesome well, evan you have anything else i just wanted to say you did get that top five up at uh the green mountain championship so where worlds will be although maybe not at worlds last year at the worlds location for this year last year got a nice top five finish um i'm gonna do what nick always does uh to all the people we bring on uh how can the people support you
3: um you can follow me on instagram by my tour series disc i have a couple uh, molds on my website maybe picking up one of those or even my dry fit shirts or hats that i have that would support me
2: awesome and for the tour series disc, they can jump onto teamdiscraft.com and you can actually find valerie's picture right there i was just on their website earlier today it's awesome and uh go pick up some of her merch Anyways, Valerie, thank you so much for joining in tonight. We very much appreciate it. Once again, congratulations on your awesome win at the LWS Open at Idlewild, and good luck up at Diglo, first playoff event of the year.
3: Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me.
2: Have a good one. Oh, oh I was going to say, usually there's music when we I, dump I off like the that, wrong but one, a little late on it. It's delayed. <laughs>
1: It's an intern episode for sure, but we appreciate all the hard. What work What do you mean, bro? I've yeah. been
4: perfect so far. That was my first blo- No, I'm just kidding. It's so yeah, hard. I was gonna say you
2: just- jumped on with me and you right at <laughs> yeah. the beginning. You know, it's it's all good. It,
4: uh, Matt, scenes yeah. are everywhere naturally, so it just it just. Hard, easy to forget that yeah. i'm in matt's seat so so when you saw me vibing to the music that's really what i am doing behind the scenes um <laughs> until i was like oh and noticed and
2: clicked away but i'm glad i wasn't doing anything yeah Matt, matt's actually in the chat right now so yes. if everyone's give him a hard time for going camping with his family and you know doing the dad stuff man, uh man. give him a hard time he does have a hammer though so he can ban you just in and, case. yeah i just was
1: internet little. so is he really camping yeah. come on man Yeah, exactly. He told us he didn't have service, and then all of a sudden, he jumped into the show.
4: Chat. Sit around by the fire. Since I'm in Matt's uh, house alone, what should I take from his personal collection that I won't tell him about? Let me know in the comments below. Anyways. (laughs) There you go. Um, Before we bring on Germ, I I know, Ben, you had said Germ for 7.30. 7.30, Germ will be on, um, so get ready for that, chat.
2: Okay. Well, let's. uh, before we get into all of the MPO stuff, and we'll talk about that after Germ, so we don't feel like we're rushing it, but just about the course in general this is i would say one of the most unique courses that we have on tour it's got an awesome mix of open holes wooded holes i think they are very fair with the ob the one change that i didn't love but i get why they did it is hole 12 it's the forehand with the mando and it was a new basket placement this year tucked a little bit more left into the woods you could tell it was freshly cleared out Um, it was definitely cleared out very well but I think the old basket was a little bit close to 13's tee pad, so I understand why they did it. But just in general, Evan, Ben, thoughts on the course?
1: You know, I was score watching for most of the weekend. I watched day one, and I actually can't remember what 12 is. I think that's one knock on Idlewild is the middle of the course. Uh, yeah. it, it's, it's hard to remember what holes are, but I can remember the finishing holes. Um, I, I have two things I want to say. One, hole 17, a lot of people don't like it. Some people really love it. I want to put it on the record. I want that hole to use the bunker rule. uh, Just like we see at hole 16 at the European open at the beast. I want OB to be, you get the distance you have to rethrow on the drive at least, uh, but not with the stroke penalty. So if you miss you try to ACE run and you go a little too high in your OB, you got to rethrow. There are ways to lay up. I think it could push a layup play a little bit more. We did see some players in contention still do that. So I think it, does get a little bit but it does seem a little fluky to people so i I think that'd be one way to make it a little bit more fun um and less like severely punishing and kind of push some thought through it the second one i want to say is uh the clearing i'm going to talk about hole 18 specifically but i know it happened on a few other holes i think you said hole 12 was one of them uh there's been mixed reviews on those i i gotta say that's something i do want to see more from woods courses it isn't as um true woods golf as it is where like the rough is really rough and it's so hard to scramble, but you saw players get up there and it was pretty tough to get out. They certainly could have some miracle shot. that got really far up. But I remember I, I specifically saw Isaac Robinson, like want to go, through it very far, but ended up just laying up uh, to the back to the fairway. So I think it still had a little bit of that in it, but it makes it so much easier for the spectators. One, just to walk around, but two, to be able to see through it so they don't have to be on the fairway to see the action. They can be a little bit further back and still see the action. So I think that was a good change. I do like that.
2: Yeah, I think the course of just in general uh, plays really fun. I don't love hole 11. I think it's kind of a dinker hole, but they elevate it. So it does add a little bit into it. But I think... You know when I was watching Burr play it yesterday, um, and just absolutely shredding the first five, six, seven holes. I mean, he was just putting from twenty-five to forty-five feet, and just seemed like it was dead center every time. But I really do love that one-three, one-two, three-four, five hole stretch. Um, I think it's a really great starting five on a course, and then I do like the ending. Seventeen, don't necessarily love. Evan, you and I were kind of briefly talking about it in our group chat. Bunker don't rule. love, yeah, don't love seventeen. I don't know if i love the bunker rule idea on that one either i would have to you'd have to convince me on it but i think 18 is a really cool ending hole um watching round two's coverage watching them finish 18 what i thought when i tuned in was i thought it was still pretty light out to where i was like oh yeah once they get out to the fairway they can see everything and then when you actually see coverage of what it really looked like it i mean it definitely looks like it was pitch black so definitely kind of i want to give
1: time for ben but i I do want to comment on that real quick Uh, mixed thoughts on that but i loved it i loved that gavin babcock was lighting up a glow disc like that's (laughs) something where you don't want to have happen often obviously there's a lightning delay pushed t times back the the horn apparently was actually called the players were supposed to um finish after hole 16 get back in the morning but they opted and kind of pushed the tournament directors to let them play still i thought that was cool glad it happened don't want to see it happen often but that it did it was so cool so fun obviously it was hard to see on camera but it just it felt like disc golf you know like pushing the last yeah. couple holes when it's too dark uh it, i liked it but ben hey, it, ever, everyone seemed in good spirits with it yeah exactly um
4: yeah. i don't really have anything about the course but Here's my take, not my take, but I'm kind of asking you guys, do you, how, do you think of Wild's here to stay or do you think it's getting too easy for the pro tour and do you think they're going to move elsewhere in the future? It doesn't no. have to be like now, but like yeah. maybe five, 10 years.
2: I think Outer Wild's here to stay. I think uh, it's a great tournament for three rounds on the same course. I'm someone where, you know, four round tournaments, I like seeing two different courses, three round tournaments, one course is great. Um, I think it's a really, really fun course to watch. It's f- actually filmed very well. And I think the DGPT has gotten better with that every single year. It's tough to film a lot of the wooded courses, but I actually do very much enjoy watching the coverage of Idle Wild, And then also that property out there that they have is massive. And I'm sure every single year they could probably either expand it or change things up a little bit every single year. So we're not consistently watching the same course over and over and over but i know one of the big things this year and the chat's kind of going off about it right now is the uh, the baskets um the please i don't want to hear baskets. i don't want to hear yeah. it we'll uh we'll we'll get into it a little bit later evan just just to rile you up you know we did see a pretty good number of spit outs but i do I'm hear sick of it
1: yeah put softer my guys oh in my Dallas. gosh no, that's not in this is a different yeah. topic we're bringing german uh to round that out i do think idyll is here to stay i think it has the key things you want uh which is it's you know nearby an airport at simon there you go um uh, simon actually did fairly well here um mm-hmm but it's right by which comes with an airport it's right by a large mid-sized city is what i'll call uh, cincinnati it's just across the border in kentucky uh but it's right near cincinnati the pro tour it, it has been doing it but it needs to continue to like go as hard as it can on these large mid-sized cities you know it's not going to get inside new york or chicago or la those aren't going to happen not even boston um but you can have it in different areas like going after portland going after cincinnati going after austin it's doing all these and it's very close to the city center which all have great disc golf uh communities and fans and it's easy to get to the location is perfect um you know i could see it being split a two and two if it's a two course four day event i could also see it dropping to maybe a silver event depending on how those shake down. I don't think it's quite going to be the playoff level. We saw D-Glow elevated. We see MVP elevated for two years now. I I don't think it'll be an elite plus, but I do think it's a really good elite event and should stay on tour.
2: Agree, And it doesn't feel as much of a public park as what you would expect. It definitely, you know, we're not throwing over baseball fields. We're not throwing. It doesn't seem like where there's a ton of crowds of other people there, like we see potentially at the European Open or even at Eureka Temp. But, <clears throat> excuse me, more stuff that we can talk about just after we bring in Jeremy Colling. He is in our virtual green room. Ben, yes. why don't you bring him on in? Jeremy Colling of the Big Yuli, Big Julie commentary on Gomez. Awesome player. Has one of the coolest tour series discs out there. Jeremy Colling. Jeremy, can you hear us? Oh, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Oh, we can hear you, but you're a little staticky right now. So, Ben, yeah. what can we do to yeah. solve this? <laughs> um,
4: hmm. Ben here um I'm gonna say maybe disconnect your headphones and maybe try and join talk through the computer yeah it's it's not do you have good wi-fi or yeah we can't hear you could, could you just exit out and, and, and join back in
2: yeah if anything oh, Ben said this a text. always happens yeah yeah it's all good or Ben do you have his phone number yeah I do I'll text mute yourself and give him a call okay let me... Okay. And Guys, start. The <laughs> beauty of live show, folks, and traveling disc golfers, we're going to figure out how to get you the best sound, and pretty much what we're going to tell them to do is close it out and to have them come back in, and then from there, hopefully, it'll settle up better. I actually... I forgot to mention this to Valerie. She had one of the most crisp-sounding like internet connections that we've heard from a touring pro in a while, I feel like. Yeah. So shout out to her on and that I
1: one. wasn't even headphones, right? It was just computer or I phone think- audio?
2: I think it was one that I think she had one headphone. In, okay, I didn't if see I remember it. correctly.
1: Yeah, uh-huh. but hey, while we have this downtime while we're waiting uh, for Ben to work with Jeremy and uh, hopefully get some crisp audio back, uh, just do a quick run through of the event. I mean, we uh, obviously know Valerio Hano wins an uh, FPO, uh, Gannon Burr wins an MPO. I don't know if we even officially said that um, yeah. that. Uh, interesting thing there they're both the most approved players last year for the disc golf pro tour in 2022 they both win the same event here um that's got to be the first time that's happened but i, I know i'm stat, yeah. uh, one of the people from Statmando, but i don't have that info right in front of me yeah. um but uh Ganber, it's his third elite win of the uh season that's the most in mpo he was tied with calvin Heinberg. he now has the solo lead uh calvin Heinberg has two and Ben's working with Germ right now, and I will say Germ sounds fantastic. <laughs> Germ Hell of a Germ lot. Better. great. I'm excited. Germ, Germ I'm excited sounds great. Yeah. Am I, am so let's, I was, an was IT gonna guy say now? let's am let's I cut IT off. guy now? Oh my there goodness. Go. There you go. We can ben. start paying. You let's can get the five
2: dollars super chat that came in from my buddy Cody. Let's go. Um, <laughs> all right. Let's bring in Jeremy Colling once again. We got the music for you, Jeremy. You are here. You don't have any visuals oh. now. <laughs> Can you see us now? Can Can you at least hear us? Okay, yeah, as long as you can hear us, I mean, we're just we're just going to be talking back and forth with you. We can see you. You can see us. We might flip the screens a little bit, so maybe something will change there. But Jeremy Cullen, you're coming off your best finish of the year at the Elite Series events. How does this feel?
0: Uh, first top 10 finish of the year, um, it's incredible how insanely talented the field is. Um, because, uh, you know, last year, even though we had slick tee pads, uh, 21 under got fourth place. And so in my mind, I was kind of shooting after that number, trying to come out with a seven under average to just guarantee a top five finish, which would be an incredible accomplishment at this point in my career. Um, but I, uh, shot 23 under and I got 10th place. So there you go. That's the field just being the field nowadays. Um, but, uh, you know, I missed a putt from about 27 feet on the last hole. And I'll, I'll, I'd be lying if I said that it didn't hurt because it went from a, a, a three-way tie for seventh to a four-way tie for tenth. And um, I feel like my play was – I was so locked in for most of the tournament um, that, you, you know, it, you don't really look back and think about the tiny mistakes you make when you finish – near the cut line or maybe you do if you miss the cut by a stroke but or the cash line by a stroke but like i think the time that i i reflect the most on my tiny errors that cost me one or two strokes is right when you're actually in the mix like i was this week mm-hmm. and i can think back to several strokes i can easily recount nine strokes um that was the eventual separation between me and Gannon, and um it helps me believe that I can do it. You know, I, I think that it has to be on a specific type of course. Um, Wild suits my game really well. I've done well there in the past, but I know that I've got it in me to be in contention, even if my statistics show that I'm routinely not. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and, you know, that's enough. That's enough for me. You know, I mean, I feel like having that confidence is what keeps me still motivated to, to continue to do this. Definitely.
1: Evan. Yeah. So Germ, you knew this was your first top 10 finish of the year on tour. Yeah. Do you, do you know That's what your, yeah. Yeah. Do you know what your last <laughs> top 10 finish was? Uh,
0: this event last year. <laughs> there we go. I wanted to mention that.
1: So uh, we were just talking about like, should Idlewild stay on tour? We were all in agreement that we yeah. love it. We think everything's great about yeah. it. Um, yeah what are your thoughts on it? Does it feel like it suits better to your game or a certain style? Is it forehand? Is it a different type of game that it really suits to like, how much do you like it? And do you want this event to be on tour five times every year?
0: Yeah, actually um, it's funny that you guys were talking about that because that was a conversation that I was actually having with players on the course. Um, players like uh, Tristan Tanner, you know, a guy that does really well on the golf style course he was in agreement with me that like this type of course is vital to showing what disc golf has to offer the maple hills of the world um you know the front nine uh waco that kind of stuff if you don't have that style then we're only showing we're only telling one story and um i think part of the reason that i've slipped a bit in the rankings is because this style of course has become more and more obsolete And this is a style that is true to my game. And so, yeah, I love it personally for the way that it plays for my strengths. And um, I really hope that it's here to stay. I think that if you don't have courses that change angles and change your comfort zone a little bit, um, and if you take away the putter shot off the tee, if you take away the mid-range shot off the tee, then it just becomes monotonous. And I don't want to see all woods courses and I don't want to see all open courses. I just hope that we can continue to balance it out with, with nice tracks that, that, um, you know, that challenge all that disc golf has to, to offer because we challenge, we can challenge so many different things. Um, I think, I think at one point on the front nine, uh, Yuli was making a point that, um, you know, by the sixth or seventh hole we had seen Kevin Jones throw backhand, a sidearm, a backhand roller, uh, a 400 foot grenade, uh a turbo putt you know those are the kind of things i love that don't you guys i mean don't you want to try different things yeah um and if you do then yeah we need to encourage people to have challenging 230 foot holes that maybe maybe it's not so much about are you going to take a bogey or double bogey but the race to get the birdie or the par that becomes the challenge Mm -hmm. and um i don't like i said you don't want to do this every week but i think that it's very important that we integrate this into the tour and we cement these things. And I hope it's Idlewild, um, because I think it's a fantastic track. It's the number one course in Kentucky. Number four of all the Disc Golf Pro Tour courses. Number four out of all of them.
1: Would not have guessed that.
0: And it's pretty crazy to think that it only has, for a course that feels short, it only has five par threes. Five, that's it. And and arguably the rest are par fours, uh, 16 and eight. 16, I could, I could see the argument calling that a par five if they mm-hmm. bring that left side back to being as tight as it used to be. Mm-hmm. I think it played as a par five back then. But um, I have no objection to them potentially re-looking or revisiting hole eight being a par four because the scoring average is 4.16 or 4.18, somewhere in that range. Mm-hmm. That Those are par four numbers. That's just a very difficult par four. Um especially when you're getting 19 players getting the three, you know, that's 19 players got the birdie, not the Eagle. But anyways, I I do enjoy a nice Eagleable par four, or Eagleable par five. Um, But anyways, that's not the question. Um, I'm answering like four questions. (laughs) I was going to say, we don't even have to speak.
2: Keep, keep going.
0: And if you want to talk about the baskets, we can talk about, talk about the baskets. Uh,
2: We will talk about the baskets.
0: Yeah, sure. I mean, prompt me with a question because, uh, I have a lot to say, and I've actually had conversations today with people that are relevant to this to this conversation.
2: yeah, I think I think the biggest thing that we see is we we don't have a perfect basket in disc golf, and I don't think there will ever oh. be a perfect basket. But we do see baskets oh. that p- are prone to spitting out more than other baskets and evan's got the fairy tale idea that everyone just needs to putt softer <laughs> uh, i'm just gonna i'm just messing with no evan. he does um he does. I, I do want to i do want to lead
1: in this question before we yeah. let germ uh give a great answer go ahead evan okay uh what is the goal when uh finishing a hole in disc golf is it to hit the center pole or is it to have it land in the basket uh, or be supported by the basket
0: uh, yeah that's the question you're asking me or is that just a hypothetical or a uh i mean historical? it's it's a
1: little bit of both so I, I think you know where we're going with this i think you can yeah. put together your thoughts on this uh, both of my lead in what nick's saying yeah. and what everyone on tour is saying as well
0: so gosh th- i mean this this could be the entire conversation in this podcast today and i don't think we would ever get to a good conclusion especially yeah. not with your, uh, with your belief system in this matter. <laughs> <sir>. <laughs> yes. yes, he's J- so I'm wrong. wrong. Thank you. No, Thank no, you. No, no, I'm, I'm only messing. I'm only messing, but I, I love it. I, I love
1: it. Don't worry. Don't stop
0: at, at no point in any conversation in any context, no matter what the, um, subject matter is, will people all agree on one thing? And I think that we all know that. So
2: I think we can agree with, on that.
0: Yes. That's one thing that we can all agree yes. on is that nobody will ever agree on one thing. Um, yeah. That being said, I think that the sport still has enough old heads and traditionalists that that bring that mentality around where they adapted their putting to like Mach 3s maybe, Mach um, 1s even if you really go back. And their putt was um, geared towards very lofty, uh, very pace-oriented, and very much, can I leave it close when I miss, you know? And... I think that that was because of just technology and basket technology. And I don't think that the objective in our sport is the exact same as a golf ball trying to roll it in at a perfect speed. I think that speed is important. But I also think that speed can be um, not just the putter's friend. I think it can be their enemy. You know, I mean, if you're not accurate, your speedy putt is going to zip long and you're going to have someone three and four putting. Or you're going to have someone hitting the cage really hard which jumps up and rolls away. And you have all sorts of issues that occur when somebody putts with, with heavy pace. I think it is far more accurate to reward a swish jump shot um, without having some board a foot beneath the net that if you swish it too good, it might jump back up through the net up the wrong way. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that we should do whatever we can with our basket design to ensure that a putt that is centrally positioned from the putter's perspective Stays in that basket, and even if, even if that means that putts that we are accustomed to seeing normally push out, if those grab, I say so be it. I would much rather people give it a good effort and have putts stay in the basket than anything that has ever deserved to stay in spit out. I think that it's such a disrespectful moment there for the player and for the spectators and for the field. There, everyone is gets cheated out, and nobody's sitting there you know, like doing this, like, ha that's, you know, one place higher in the tournament. You know, I saw Matty O personally on the same basket two days in a row go right through Swiss cheese, slip and slide, right out the backside. And I'm sitting there, and, and I I have a visceral reaction at that moment. I, I am connected to this man's performance in a way. And obviously I'm focused on my game, but I don't want to see that happen right before I have to put. In my confidence level for whatever putt I've li- – um, whatever I'm lining up, goes from me focusing on my chain link to wait is this the right chain link or am i actually going to spit out if i make this and that's horrible and so talk is cheap right like we all we all you know have fun having these debates oh Mm -hmm. how do we make disc golf better oh baskets suck yada 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 we all have a million opinions about these things but if we don't actually talk to somebody about it then we go nowhere so i decided to call jeremy rusko and we talked about it today. And he acknowledged that he was a little bit disappointed. And I'm sorry, Jeremy, if you feel like I'm betraying our trust, but I feel like this is all stuff that we can talk about. Mm-hmm. They, they had different chains at DDO, and I didn't necessarily remember any bad spit-outs at DDO. Um, but those chains, those, those shiny chains, just they're not heavy enough. They don't have enough texture on them, and they produce spit-outs. There's something faulty about them. And it's producing a higher rate of spit outs than we see with any other baskets. And it's not a good look for dynamic and it's not a good look for disc golf. Mm -hmm. And they acknowledge that and they, I don't think they'll have this issue again. I, I, I really hope that we won't because they know that there's a problem. Um, now,
2: for someone who is doing commentary all three days and you're also playing all three days, so you're working with so many different people throughout the disc golf tournament, do you think you could put a number on maybe what you saw throughout the three rounds at Idlewild? A dozen. A dozen.
0: Yeah. I mean, if not more. Did, did anyone watch the second round coverage where we did the worst ever commentator jinx on Aaron Gossage on hole eight?
2: I did not see that.
0: It, it is absolutely, it's horrible and fantastic the way it plays out all in one. Um, Gannon Burr misses his putt a little bit to the left side, but it goes in. And so we were joking about, oh, Gannon's so good at putting that he can laugh at the field because he can even miss his putts and make them. Mm -hmm. And then I remarked, well, better to miss them and still make them than to make them and then miss them. And then right then it was was Aaron Gosses' turn to tap out. I mean, we're talking like bullseye's edge. And then Yuli said something along the lines of, like, especially with this guy's nose down putt. And then I did the the whole uh, Portland, you know, that little reference. Yep. And I, none of us knew he spit out, that he was about to spit out. But a tap and putt from Bullseye <laughs> goes in the dead center and pops right back out over the lip. And it was just one of those moments where we were all like, no! yeah, Oh, my God. Like, completely, genuinely, none of us knew that was about to happen. And we set it up for the worst jinx of all time. And it was just like one of those – at that point, it was the second round. So it was the first one I think we'd seen. No, no, no. Chris Clemens had one on 18 round one.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and that was the first one. So that I think that, that was the second one that we had seen. But from there on, it got pretty gross. And especially on my cards. I saw it. I only had one myself, but I, I personally witnessed in person mm, seven or eight. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And that's just, one person just, witnessing that many just on your cards in and of itself. Now bring the rest of the field into play and all the different putting techniques that we have in the sport right now and the different stiffness of putters. I mean, we're seeing that consistently. And, you know, I it, kudos to you talking to Jeremy Rusko about that and trying to figure out, hey, how can we make this better? Because it is a bad look on Dynamics' part. And the presenting, you know, one of the presenting sponsors of the event, they want their names on the basket. They want to be known that they are sponsoring this event. And that's something that, yeah, for future, it, you want to, you don't want to see
0: it they're they're not they're not sitting in some underground cave they're aware of what's going on Mm -hmm. and um you know i mean it's i I don't want to just badmouth something without like trying to find a solution i think that i think that i've done that in the past without realizing it and Mm -hmm. i think that if i can be an agent for change in some way it's to communicate these things that we have issues with like talking to the PDGA when we have an issue with a the way a tournament was ran instead of just Talking to our peers about it, we actually yeah. have to go to somebody. There's no record about anything if we just talk, 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 talk. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I actually I've put a post on on um, on a page where a lot of players were able to put feedback in, asking them what they think. And I, you know, I said, hey, I'm willing and able to take a big L on this one, but I think these baskets need to be removed from from tour. And you know, I, let me know what your thoughts are. I'm not trying to just interject my opinion on everyone else. Mm-hmm is everyone else having the same uh feelings about this and so far everyone that's commented is like yeah like even though i put soft i've I've seen enough where i'm like yeah i don't like seeing it Mm -hmm. and so it seems like we're all kind of on the same page here um so you know i like i said i think that they're they're going to be addressing this and i think that hopefully my my ultimate hope is that the disc golf pro tour adapts their own basket that is not uh manufacturer branded or biased and that it can just be the target that goes with us on tour all year i don't want to have to learn how to putt yeah on this basket versus this basket versus this basket and if Discraft or innova or diamond discs or latitude don't like it well sorry this is a disc golf pro tour and mm-hmm. these are the targets that we're using um yeah. so i hope that we can find some target that we can implement our opinions about what makes a good basket a good basket um such as removing the prodigy and dynamic and latitude flat top the you know the one thing that i really like about the end of the disc catcher is it has that concave top and so you don't get these ramps off the top that shoot you to 45 feet when you miss um or produce rollaways for putts that don't really necessarily deserve rollaways um so those kind of things if we can kind of get like an open discussion going we can maybe come to an agreement on most of the principles that make a good basket design it and then and then compete on it mm-hmm.
2: And i think there is a way to make the manufacturers happy at the same time with that one of the things that i've always said is make the top a removable top to where if it's a discraft event now you got the discraft top it's the same amount of chains it's the same setup of the basket in and of itself all you're doing is just changing the top and so that the presenting sponsor is put on there i mean I, obviously I, I it's easier do, said than done
0: but because everyone's doing different chains i i think the chains yeah. are a lot of times the issue that i'm having i think mm-hmm. you just have a magnetic band or a vinyl sticker that can wrap around each band. And then that is what changes every week. I I don't want to change the metal construction. I don't want to change anything about it. I want the baskets to be played on. And if we see issues, we can address them at that time. And then we can, you know but these things take years it's not like yeah. hey here's a good idea jeff spring let's do it tomorrow it's like okay yeah. well then this goes to this committee this committee this committee now mm-hmm. we got to design it now it's got to be manufactured and so on and so forth be tested so yeah who kn- who knows when this will come about but mm-hmm. i think it's the future of the sport
2: I I agree, and we've actually talked about this a number of times on the podcast. Where having a designated target of the disc golf pro tour is huge. I mean, basketball players play on the same hoop every single week. You know, every single day at their games, it's the same size, everything like that. A golf player is putting into the same hole. It's put in different locations, but the hole diameter, the hole depth, everything like that is exactly the same. We've I feel like we are one of the few sports, if the only sport, where constantly every single week, pro players are having to adapt into. Not just how they're playing the disc golf course in general, but how they are putting. I mean, we can look at you are more of a spin putter, and you have a faster putt than someone else does, and to where you might think to yourself in your head that, hey, I'm playing on dynamic discs, uh, baskets this weekend, I'm, you know, maybe need to change it up, who knows, but yeah, I think that's a conversation, I mean, realistically, like you said earlier, not everyone's going to agree on it, we could talk about it for hours on end, but until... Easily something actually happens with it and it sucks. Realistically, it does suck to see the spit outs, especially on ones like you're talking about Gossage's, you know, pretty much bullseye tap. And we saw that at alley, oh. the wild. Now we've seen it at Portland before we've seen it in Gossage is a little bit of a fiery putter. Evan, I'll give you that one a little bit. Don't get yeah, me wrong. And I think I'm, Ev- I am biting you. my tongue here. I think Aaron scarred Evan. I'm going to be honest. I think ever since then, Evan, you know, anytime he sees a fast, putt, he just gets a little PTSD from it. But I
0: I guess here's, here's my responsibility at this moment, hearing that Evan is, is a pace is, is very important type of guy, which I respect that opinion. Can you explain to me, what's your priority in a good putt? Like, why is pace important? What do you think deep down, where does that come from? and um is that more important than somebody zipping it in there to me and to me zipping it in there is kind of like the two meter rule where it's like you know sometimes people zip it into a tree and it stays and sometimes it falls and so it's like luck of the draw is what are your problems with with people putting fast And do you secretly enjoy them spitting out when
1: they do Yeah. Well, I'll start off (laughs) with the ending point. I don't enjoy seeing them spit out. It actually, it makes me sad. I agree. I don't think it's a good look for the sport. Uh, This music is fantastic, Ben. Thank you. Um, I, I, I fully understand what you're saying. And I think we come from kind of different, uh, types of cores, like what you see in it. And I think my thought comes a little bit more of like anti complaining first. I really don't like seeing people be like, oh, that basket didn't catch because you spun it in there 80 miles an hour, a little bit nose down. Um, so I think it comes from you have to know what you're putting into. Uh, these baskets don't, uh, the ones that we saw at Idlewild, don't uh, catch those crazy fast spin putts as well as other ones. And it's, you couldn't say that's a fault of the basket. I'm more of ignoring that fact. And I'm saying, you know what you're putting into make sure you adjust accordingly. And and you made it clear. You don't think players should have to adjust uh course to course and basket to basket. I'm not arguing whether they should or not. Um, have to i think having a basket on tour would be good but we're not at that stage we're putting on different baskets each week Mm -hmm. um you need to know that and i don't want to hear the whining or the complaining uh you know what you're putting into and and i will say like i i love the analogy that you don't want to plank under the uh hoop and you know if you swish a three-pointer but it oh it bounced out doesn't count like that would that would suck i understand that Uh, a lot of sports have uh set uh, equipment standards but a lot of sports also don't I mean like soccer has different types of nets it's the same size uh, but there's different types of nets of course if it goes in fully and bounces out it doesn't matter passes the, then, line. Uh, the, passes line. the line, the line is- as we saw from the World <laughs> Cup uh, but like baseball has different fences. I mean, but we have different courses. There's there's so many analogies to make. So I think that's it's a little ballistic. I'm making up that word in the in the moment. Um, I but think I, it's a perfect word. I I think thank you. I think I think we you know where I'm going with it. I just don't want to see the complaining. That's the core of it. I do want to see. I I loved how you wanted to say anything that was kind of like close should count maybe that's not exactly what you meant but i, I i'm trying to repeat uh, not close that wasn't the right way
0: yeah it's it's, it's not that that, ups- that was bad it, well, i guess where that comes from for me is thinking like yes the traditionalists or the old heads they like the the lofty dropping in but like if we're gonna be even older headier let's go back to tone poles. let's go back to the time where if you hit this little pole and it made a little ding you completed the hole count it Right. Yeah, I like that. We've got this pole and it's in the middle of this basket. And I'm trying to hit that pole and the chains are there to protect my disc from hitting that pole. But if my disc is coming anywhere near grazing that pole, but all of a sudden, because there are chains there, it pushes me back out. I feel like we've gotten away from the original purpose of Frisbee golf It's to hit this thing. And I have now hit this thing, and it is and obviously our sport has changed into trying to nestle it into a basket, and the dynamics of that change the, the whole idea behind how I putt. But, I mean, if, I'm, if I am en route to central putt and the chains or the pole itself hit me back out and my putt doesn't count, it seems like we've lost something. And I want to protect that from being discounted. And I think that that, to me, fundamentally that's more important to me than anything else. So that's where I stand with it. But I, I think you, uh,
2: Yeah. I think you also just set us up for the perfect clickbait that Jeremy Colling wants to go back to totem poles and disc golf. Yeah, and I, I think we can put that as a video title yes, and I I'm think changing it, it right might now. be one of the most, yeah, I think it might be one of the most <laughs> viewed <laughs> podcast clips just because right of now. that.
1: Totem I had to jump in and say they're I'm, not totem poles. <laughs> no, I
2: know just,
0: <laughs> but I, I do love want to the show you something, pole. but I, this, you can choose. This is not supposed to be anti uh dynamic discs, alright? I need this to be very important. This is not anti dynamic discs, but I did create this sketch this morning in response to my feelings about the basket this weekend and here it is. <laughs> there we go. Yeah,
2: there we go. Public service that announcement. I,
1: I think this is a good point to uh to move on to, to new topics. Are we all we all in agreement? We can well, put this I just one Yeah, to yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. just wanna say <laughs> I, one
4: thing big germ thanks for coming on for that very moment evan's been bullying me about this this whole year He's literally been bullying me like okay put slower put slower put slower one time i was in tournament and it spit out for me from like 10 fees like and I, I didn't even say a word he was just like well you gotta know the basket brother so that's your fault and i was like evan i'm literally li- i accepted my defeat why are you coming at me
2: I'll uh oh. I'll i de- I'll defend I'll defend Evan a little bit on this part just because Ben does putt a million miles an hour. <laughs> yeah, like
0: he ben. comes
1: whining into the group chat. <laughs> oh, I missed another putt like I'm trying to explain. I don't yeah. I don't care if I'm right or wrong. I just well, need you I Ben to stop Evan, complaining.
0: Even Evan in this moment will agree that there are times you have seen putts that came in with the proper pace in the center, and inexplicably somehow the disc was no longer in the basket. Sure. And in those moments, what do you say?
4: That stinks. I'm sorry. No, you say
2: but better or something.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you say. All right, yeah. Next topic. Uh, all right, all right. Here. Let's. I don't yeah.
2: Know. Here, right. I'll, I'll I'll throw something up new. Jeremy Cullen, you just got a new Tour Series disc, a Halo yes. Champion Boss. Have Guys,
0: you thrown it? It's in I the have. truck at this very moment. My wife just went over to the house where we had them delivered, and she just picked them up. I haven't seen or touched them. But they are we, about ooh. forty-five feet away from me right now. Can
2: we get like a live reaction unboxing? Oh, that'd be uh, sick.
0: If Jules is able to go out to the truck and get them, then yeah, we can. But yeah, I, it's also raining right now.
2: Even ooh. better, we'll just you know, it's it's all. Well, for... let's talk
0: about something else. And if it, if it happens, it happens. But all right, all all right. Yeah. sounds good. I,
2: I'm gonna go to this because I
1: at, at, at stamando I've heard it enough already since the last two days. I'm sure you have heard it a million times more. But you and Yuli both beat Nate Sexton at a tournament. You both combined. He came in last place out of the trio.
0: Uh,
1: so I, I had to look this up because enough people asked that. I'm like, all right, it's worth it to look it up. So I'm putting it to you when all three of you are at the same event. Do you know the last time that Nate finished last of the trio? Was it Vegas 2022? No. I don't have the exact number. I don't have the exact numbers of any of event. I just know which one it was at.
5: Okay, so I couldn't. Ca-
1: well, I could uh, We could pull up Vegas twenty twenty two and find out. But it I is, he, yeah. I was going to go. It's twenty twenty one. Preserve was the last time that happened over two years ago. That's wild. so. Okay, and bye. it's so
0: frustrating because there's been so many times when last round I've get I've gotten eight by like six strokes. I'm not even thinking about him, and then he'll just shoot a nine down, and I'll just like be like, eh you know, shot, shot 200, not that grave around. round. And I'll look at my scores and I'll be like, that rat bastard got me by a stroke again. Are you freaking kidding? And like, I love Nate. I want him to do well, but there's something about the trio that when he sneaks up and, and gets me by one stroke, I actually am like, I feel a little <laughs> bit different type of pain. I mean, it's like pain. And then there's like that pain and it's different and it hurts. And th- thank you for reminding me about it though.
1: Uh, well hey you get to live in a <gasps> sweet victory for the uh until he i don't i'm guess is he you all playing deagle i don't really know but uh at least for Nate's a week not
0: playing deagle so there you go you get it yeah. until
1: World's most likely uh, that's and,
0: crazy though 2021 huh and
1: I, I gotta say this as well because uh, we didn't even mention yuli besides the fact that he beat nate he came in tied for fourth that's his first top five uh at an elite or a major since covid19 hit the u.s big like good for him getting in a top five it was 2020 waco was the last time he had it he does have a few silvers in between but uh, okay big big uh big ups to him because i know he's been working hard dealing with injuries through those times Uh, yeah
0: i I don't know if people really truly know uh i mean i know he, he posts pretty decent amount on social media or at least his manager does um and i mean but people are pretty well informed about when he's going through injuries and whatnot but like even seeing him every day and practicing the practice rounds with him and and whatnot, like seeing how he was practicing and then being like, yeah, this guy's poised to kick ass and then going out to the tournament and then just, just slopping up something that just didn't make any sense was really baffling me. I couldn't figure out what was going on with him. And, um, you know, in in some ways I didn't want to believe it, but I felt like his heart was out of it and maybe he just didn't want to compete anymore. And, you know, when that spirit's gone, it's like, you can do whatever you want with your form. It doesn't matter if your heart's not in it. You're just going to stink. But man, the way he's been playing the last two months, it's like, yeah, Yuli's back baby. And like, and it's awesome that people can actually see that he is an incredibly skilled disc golfer. And we're not just a bunch of old guys being like, Hey, remember the old times? (laughs) Like we can actually (laughs) like still kick some butt. And uh, yeah, I mean, he's, he's proven that at different styles of courses. I mean, he's one of the top, yeah I would say he's one of the top 25 best or most influential disc golfers of all time, at least on the pro touring circuit um, just for everything he's done on and off the course and uh, I think that people might be forgetting that he's actually a badass disc golfer, and I'm glad that he's starting to prove people that you know that's who he is. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I agree with the top five, and I, I think people need to know he's won a national tour, and his uh, life has that elite win uh, back at Brent Hamrick, I think, 2011, yep. Uh, he is also the first of 200 starts in elite or majors. Uh, I know we posted about that a couple of weeks back. I think it was PCS was the 200th. Um, so first one to do that, still has the most, uh, and it doesn't look like he's slowing down. So he most keep unique
0: people beaten as well. Oh,
1: man, you, how did I forget that? Yes. Uh, That's so cool. He was the first to 6,000 unique uh, PDGA members beat. Um, And he uh, obviously has been going up from there. I don't know the exact number. I'm sure I can look it up quick enough.
0: He was always the guy, like when we were on tour back in the NT days before the Discount Pro Tour had come around, he was always the guy that found all the honey pots. And so that was one of the reasons why he has such a large number of unique people beat because he's literally gone to like the A tier in North Dakota. You're like, what is Yuli doing in North Dakota this week? (laughs) And, but he's just found a good tournament. He goes up yeah, there. Takes winning 2,200. Yeah, and then he just comes down. We see him at the next national tour, and everyone's like, you know, what'd you do last week? And I'm like, oh, I went home. And then, you know, he's just out there grinding C-Tiers, B-Tiers, and A-Tiers, and it's just like constantly motivated by traveling and touring and competing. So that's what gets you, man.
2: I kind of got a little something about C-Tiers, B-Tiers, and A-Tiers, and I'm kind of looking at your PDGA page right now. Two years, or excuse me, Two wins on the year so far. You have a B-tier win and then a C-tier win actually out in Spain. But your B-tier win, you won by four strokes. It was actually in North Carolina, right in Charlotte, um, which I think is where you are living nowadays. Um, Or you would call that your home. All of these. Yeah. Can you kind (laughs) of – and this is a question, you know, we've always you know, wondered. Like if you took an average athlete and put them up against an Olympian, how bad do they get smoked in a race and stuff like that? Now take a top touring professional disc golfer. You've won elite series events before. You've been at the top stage in the world can you kind of talk to us what you think kind of the skill level is between a 10 20 rated touring disc golfer versus maybe a 10 10 10 20 rated
0: local disc golfer a 10 10 touring golfer is on average my opinion five to seven strokes better than a 10 10 local player because of the way that ratings are so so deflated nowadays on Uh oh nick no, no,
2: no, no, keep it going. I,
0: I
1: say that with love. I'm excited for yeah. this term. Keep on going.
0: It's, it's it, if anyone, it, oh boy. Nick, are you like the Evan? No, 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 no. No, so, so
2: okay. I'll say, I'll say this. I think tour ratings used to be more inflated than they yes. are now. They used oh, to be.
0: They used to be because there was disparity. There was
2: disparity, but there was also, we weren't playing such. And what I've noticed is a a lot of these longer courses, let's take um, Northwoods Black, for example, or you take these par 70, par 72 courses. Exactly. That's something that we didn't used to have. I don't think, like, I don't remember the first tournament where I ever saw that. And I was like, oh my gosh, except for at local tournaments, I would see, you know, six and a half points per stroke. But I remember, you know, when I played a couple DGPT events, it was. Eight, eight points, nine points, ten points—almost at some of these events—and and so everyone kind of got the fair idea that the ratings on the pro tour were more inflated than they were at your local. Ain't the event.
0: case but, now, buddy. It's so the opposite. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're playing—we're uh, playing a lot of courses where there are uh, a lot of holes with OB, like Eureka, for instance, and that's mm-hmm. why Cole Radlins' incredible fourteen under was rewarded with a very high-rated round. Mm-hmm. Um, and you need OB on courses like that to, to differentiate the players who are just out there having a bad time chucking it up, and they're actually getting penalty strokes. But on a course like Idlewild or Northwood Black, even though the difficulty level is vastly different, you're still having a lot of holes that just have out of oh, no out-of-bounds, even though Idlewild does have it out-of-bounds, and, and so does Northwoods. But it's mostly just a challenge of the woods. Mm-hmm. And... You're, you're talking about everyone shooting so hot because everyone is so good. So there's no way that somebody can actually break free and actually get the round that they are warranted. Like, for instance, um, let's go back to the warm-up event at Eureka, which happened, I believe, Monday before Leadstone. I shot a three under, and it was 1041 rated, Okay. Chris Dickerson came out there and shot a 9-under, and it was 1080-something rated. You think a 9-under was 1080-something rated when the whole field was there? No. No. Because
2: the 14 was, what, 1090-something? Yes, 1096.
0: exactly. So we're talking about several strokes per average, I mean, per, per tournament, that are just being lost because the whole field is going top-heavy, and everyone being so good, there's no way for anyone to actually... Distance, distance themselves from the field with any given round. Mm-hmm. When you see that happen, this is why I've always been for the last two years, encouraging the ratings on a curve towards the top. Um, because that way you kind of, you kind of mitigate a little bit of that, that lost rating point that is deserved for those players who actually do. Like for instance, like Mike and Groth last week shooting a course record 14 under. What was it like 1070? 70? 1070 rated, he 1400 either Wild. Yeah, that is so disgustingly horribly rated. <laughs> 1071. I, I, yeah. I, I, oh, ratings aren't. Whatever. Who cares? If we do have ratings, let's do them the right way. Correct. That's mm-hmm. my only argument for that. Hey, so that, that's a great
2: on. ending argument to that. I will say that we do have it. It's the same thing with the baskets. Evan said it earlier. You know, we do kind of have to switch our putts because we are dealing with that right now with the ratings. We do have ratings. They're not gone. They're not going anywhere anytime They're soon. They're still there. Yes.
1: Yeah. Uh, what I'll say, Germ. We can. I, I don't think we disagree that much on baskets. I just yes, more am anti-complaining, do. but. <laughs> Uh <laughs> but I do fully agree with you. I think a curve would be a great solution for uh having these more courses with a uh higher total number of strokes and when you yeah, when you have the uh uh SSA or not it's not technically the SSA, um, but I I'm messing up my terms here. But when yeah, it's a you know, ten points for a half a stroke, it's uh or i s I'm saying this all backwards. I'm confusing myself. I'm I think with that's you. what happens to everyone. But you. yeah I'm with you. It's on it's uh doing it on a curve would be the best solution for when you have hey. The endings. The entire field by three strokes is so incredibly huge at a, a tour event. Thank now. you very
0: much. I appreciate so. that. You're referring to dynamic discs round three last year, right?
1: You beat the field by. Was that the tornado round? You beat the field yes. by three strokes. I beat wow. the field by three
0: strokes, and it was a 10:59 rated round or something. Pure it was one luck. of the best rounds I'd ever played, and they. Yeah, and, and I, you, didn't like, even get te- I didn't even scratch 1060.
1: You shot like two unders. Yeah. Like I don't know what you did, three but just under, like with three on under on a par 66 or something. So. Uh, that's just a lot of strokes. It, wears- it, was the,
0: it was the heaviest win anyone had ever played. Anyways, but the, the ending argument for that, and I think that this is the point that we can all agree on, is that the difference between a, a two-over and a two-under is way different and way more important. It's way more important the difference between a 10-under, which is a really great round, and someone shooting a 14-under. Those four strokes are much harder to gain than the two-over and the two-under. Those, those, those are just lost because it's just a mediocre round. But when you're shooting hot to get each, each individual extra stroke beyond a certain point, it's like, okay, fantastic, incredibly fantastic, magnificently fantastic. And then like superstar 1100, you know, and that's, we're missing that with these courses because no one can separate, but if you do, you're not rewarded for it. Yeah.
2: I would definitely say that. that was my magic I, thing. I mean, it's kind of, I think about it where, you know, the highest rate of round ever is 1132, 17 down Fountain Hills, you know, years and years ago. But we also have seen Paul shoot 18 down two different times on, and I would say D-Glow being the hardest course. to. Like I remember my first time ever going to D-Glow oh. and playing that course and shooting 18 down there. The style is, of
0: shots is just everything is. Yeah. That's, that's impressive.
2: Yeah, exactly. And I think kind of going back to the original point before we get into the ratings talk is uh so a 1010 touring rated player is significantly I shouldn't say significantly, but on average better than a 1010 local rated player.
0: I, I mean, it depends on your local area, you know, because Here. all these things are affected yeah. by it's it's not a perfect system. So yeah. m- I mean, ratings don't really mean you're going to be better than anyone anyways, but mm-hmm. I I would I would contest that if somebody has a touring average of ten, 10 they're going to be ready to go to a local event and just shred. Yeah. I mean, they've been hardened by the circumstances that tour provides. And then when they're in a, a home comfortable environment and they're, they're, you know, they're eating mama's cooking, <laughs> I think they're going to yeah. be ready to start yeah. whooping down.
2: I think that it's always fun. Cause you know, I, I have two A-tier wins, and both of them weren't the most strong fields in the world. One of them had Andrew Fish at it, and the other one up in New Hampshire didn't have a very strong field at it. And I was fortunate to walk away with a win. And then I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, man, you know, I won one of them by, it was 10 or 11 strokes, played really well. I think I averaged 10 30 or 10, 35 something like that. And I'm like, what if Paul came to this, or AB, or Jeremy Colling? Like, what if one of these players came to it? Do they win by 18? Like, do I get second place by 15 strokes Who? Someone like Simon, he came out and played a C-tier when I was living in Massachusetts. And he smoked me, like absolutely smoked me at that tournament. And it's just crazy to, like, I'm an average, decent player. Local guy, I get a couple wins per year. But I'm nowhere near when I go out and play practice rounds with my good friends who are out on the tour. And it's just this crazy, I don't think people realize how much better these players are. And so I want to go back just because you are someone, Yuli is someone who goes back and does play some C tiers, B tiers and A tiers in their local areas. And just to see
0: what the kind of difference is in your head. Um, I mean, wealth of knowledge of different situations, um, not being maybe mentally rattled by the moment um, when you are playing an event where there's not much on the line, as far as w- all the things that you can factor in on tour, um, it frees your brain up to be a little bit more, um, reactive to your instincts and um you're not maybe concerned about oh if this guy makes this putt then uh you know then we'll be two strokes apart or you know i do those kind of things sometimes on tour that are completely obsolete it's 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 completely unnecessary mind games but when i'm playing you know when i played in japan open this year i was like this place is beautiful oh i've got a shot let's do a shot okay sweet (laughs) but like it was like a complete i wasn't I wasn't, boggled by, boggled, I wasn't bogged down by bogged. I wasn't bogged down by you know the game where you find the word. Yeah yeah, 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 of course. Uh, I wasn't. You know, I wasn't uh, distracted, and so I think that that's what playing those smaller events is the biggest advantage because we're coming from a much more stressful environment, and so I mean, but the, the wealth of knowledge. I mean, like we're playing courses at elevation, tight woods, open, long. OB, water carries, you name it. So when you put a 280-foot a hole in front of us, it's got like a slight bend to the right or left. You're just like, that's it? All right. <laughs> you know, and it's Sweet. like, yeah, cool, that's a birdie. Well, will just get 12 of them real quick. And then, yep. you know. Um, so I think that's maybe one of the advantages that like the touring guys might have when they play smaller events. Um, but um, I think there's also just a confidence that you get from knowing that you you know if you are doing well on tour if you are making it then i think that that can translate into confidence as to like where you are compared to the world's best and um i think that's the main reason people go on tour in the first place is because we are all ego driven in a way that we want to know when we have our best thing going like art can i be the best in the world for one week Mm -hmm. you know and i think that when we do get a little bit of that satisfaction or that um that validation, it translates into every other part of disc golf. C yeah. tiers, B tiers, A tiers included. Nope.
2: Definitely. Um, before we let you go, cause we've had you on for a good amount of time and know you want to hang out with the wife, but you're traveling around in a big old fifth wheel this year. How has that been in your travels? And this is something that you just started in the last couple of years.
0: Yeah, How has that second, been? Doing it. Oh man. I mean, it's wonderful. I, I, when I joined the show, I probably was still sweating from setting it up because uh, we just got here, mm-hmm. um, probably about 6.30. And, um, you know, just, you know, every week you, you got about an hour set up, hour breakdown, and then you got to drive and then, but then you, then you're, you're home and we got the dogs with us and um, a refrigerator and a shower and, you know, a nice bed and all the things we want, TV to watch our shows. It's a dream come true, man. It's what I always wanted to do. Um, and really I have like in many ways COVID to, to thank for it because 2021 was such a great year for Thunderbird sales that it allowed me to actually go out and buy a truck and not go, actually go out and buy an RV. Um, and, you know, just a reminder to anyone who's listening, like your support of tour series stuff goes such a long way for us. And, um, you know, I, I, I couldn't believe that we could make it happen. Um, but having it wrapped with Jomez on one side and Innova on the other side. Uh I gotta pinch myself when I when I look at it because it's it is truly like a dream come true. And um yeah, it's pretty fun.
2: That's awesome. And there is now going to be a new way to be able to support you with Halo Champion bosses. And where can right. the fine people of the Nick and Matt show pick those up?
0: Uh well um you can go to any links through Instagram to the Innova Pro Shop. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, Innova has, you know, Innova proper, which does most of the, the base stock stuff. And then they also have the Innova pro shop, which does all the, like the fun stuff, the tour series stuff. Um, and so that's where you're going to go and see if they're sold out or not. I think that there'll probably be a few restocks, but, um, that's the best place to go check that out. And, um, also another cool thing, you can, you can also support me getting a Lionheart hat or any um big germ merchandise from diameter uh apparel or you can go through the uh, disc golf pro tour uh, pro shop now which my wife works at um so you can see her meet her in person at the tour stops um but if you want to get them online then you can get them through diameter's website so there's several different ways that you can support and and they're all just
3: greatly superior just super appreciated so there you go.
0: From Bag Boy, they said I talked to him today on my drive. They said that that should be available either Wednesday or Thursday. So definitely keep an eye on that. They're setting the price at two twenty nine. The normal quad cart I think is a two hundred seventy dollar cart. Mm-hmm. So they're going to actually bump the price down a bit. And I do get a small portion of those sales. And I promise you, I promise you, even to my Maple Hill folks who are pushing through the stones and the roots. You will love the quad cart more than you even know. I, I I always use my cart at Maple Hill and everywhere I possibly can. I, I'm not just saying this because I'm biased. I truly believe it's the best thing you can ever do for your bag and for your back, actually. So check yeah. it out.
1: And uh, oh, we lost Nick. So So you you might be coming back. back.
2: Yep, it just takes about seven seconds every time.
1: Yeah, you mentioned Maple Hill, and I got to say those Halo uh, champion bosses. Which first Halo champion? That's wild. Uh, But when the first Halo star bosses came out, you threw that thing over six hundred feet at level one. No, you did. You did. did. Oh, oh, oh! You kidding (laughs) me? No, that'd be crazy.
0: It uh, took even yeah. three
2: throws to get to that distance, but we're yeah,
1: all right. The, yeah, Exactly. Longest,
0: I had the longest drive day one, I believe. Yeah, it was
1: day one that it, when that crazy headwind and you just threw that boss a mile. So uh, that's a good. That. I sure did. That was a good uh, advertisement for that disc.
0: I have. A, well, I think I think my wife is actually about to run out. To let's the truck, go. So if you guys want to leave me on for one more minute, we're absolutely. I have. Yeah. A, are,
2: are you on your Are you on your computer or your phone right now? My iPad. Okay, I was going to say, if you, I don't know if it works with your phone, but you should go on Instagram Live and just be like, hey, to all my Instagram people that aren't watching the show, and yeah, yeah. all my people on the Nick and Matt show, but... Well, that's, that's so I
4: have a, I have a, I have the rarest uh, end of a Halo Boss Tour Series germ because when I was in Charlotte, when we did that video together, uh, he yeah. doodled on it, so I have a one-of-one one. <laughs> Halo, <laughs> Halo germ boss. Congrats.
0: What did I doodle on it? I forgot. Uh...
4: I don't, what is a it Galaga? It's like, yeah, Galaga. You, you did the Galaga ships. So, my cow is ripped off. Spartan race. Anyways, you did the Gal, Galaga ship, uh, shooting a little alien dude. So there you go. <laughs> nice. One of one.
0: <laughs> That's so that is actually interesting that I did that on your halo boss, your halo star boss, because the champ halo boss, the theme this year oh. is maintained with, um, the whole, um, Oh, here we go. Here we go. Um, all right,
2: we'll go full screen. Protagonist. Yeah, Yeah, folks, everybody, we are doing a live unboxing with Jeremy Big Drum Koehling on his new tour series disc, yeah. the Halo Champion Boss. So everyone tuning in live, all the more reason to watch our shows live Monday nights. Oh, Jeremy Colling, you are full screen. Floor um, is yours. This is
4: wonderful.
0: Yeah, and if okay. you, want, you want to describe
2: what
4: you're seeing to our audio listeners too for our spotify
1: yeah, cool. listeners right
0: now i'm making a box um
4: <laughs> somebody
1: get that man a knife or scissors yeah, or so, this, here we go.
0: so the theme of this year's stamp artwork is um again i wanted to get away from the whole mafioso boss type uh where they just had the top hats or the tommy guns um i thought that that was kind of lame in, the, in a way because it didn't really allow us to go any direction with it and um i try to take the interpretation of the word boss and think outside the box and uh we ended up coming up with well i like playing video games every video game's got boss and different levels so we decided to kind of take an abstract idea of finding the boss finding the 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 main battle at the end of the level and um here we go okay so Let's see if we can see this. Oh, yeah. So we've got an intergalactic battle here with the Big Germ spaceship shooting the the brain villain. And this is in space here. And as far as I'm aware, this is the most um, ink heavy coverage stamp I've really ever seen them do. This thing is like mostly all covered. And uh, down here, we actually have really cool things. We've got the stats for like, You know, like
1: light line or whatever, but it's
0: actually the turn or the speed turn fade and glide. Um That's
1: that's really cool. I like that.
0: And yeah, so it's just we got the gold rim and oh my gosh. Okay, so the profile of these things has almost the same exact dome and hand feel as last year's domey poppy uh star bosses, which were I in my humble opinion, I will say the best distance driver for certified crushers ever made a lot of people said oh i don't know boss is too big for my hand and i would do this blind test where i put a destroyer or a boss in their hand and ask them which one they were holding and everyone got it wrong everyone got it wrong so these things don't feel like too big in your hand if you've got a smaller hand and you're afraid of going boss because you think that it's going to be too wide just give these things a shot and if you still feel that way i'll happily take it off your hands when you're done but yeah these things oh boy look at this blue on blue we got this orange on blue this is happening right here folks
1: that's cool but
0: the halo. oh my gosh look at this purple dog the the idea behind uh champ halo was i they initially released um champ halo wraiths at the very beginning of halo plastic. And I was like, you know what? Like, we tried something new. They'd never tried uh, a Halo boss before. I suggested that last year. And, and so I was like, you know what? Why don't we try something new again and try Champion? And, you know, they ran it by the people that they need to run it by. And they said, you know what? Let's see what happens. And I think that it's such a beautiful thing. We got mostly clear centers on all these. But look at this bright pink beautiful one. Oh, my gosh.
1: That's a winner right there. So yeah, you, sure. you mentioned that. Champion Halo Wraith, uh, early last year or this year. Uh, Are there any other discs that you can actually buy right now that are Halo Champion? Champion Halo. I don't know if I'm saying it the right way.
0: Yeah, no. Yeah, Halo. Yeah, I don't know either. (laughs) I mean, it's Halo Star, so I think this is Halo Champion. Okay. I think that right now this is the only Halo Champion disc that you can buy uh, anywhere. So, yeah, I think that that's kind of why I wanted to try it out was. Try something new and see if that uh, excited the uh, the fans because it excites me. We got a lot of different colors here. This like teal Jomezi color that thing's sweet. But yeah, these feel just like last year's, which is great. I, I really wanted them to try to mimic last year's feel, like as close as they possibly could. And um, yeah, they nailed it. They're, so we're like, going to
2: see hole one at Glow, Jeremy Colling throwing the champ halo or halo champ
0: boss tomorrow. We got practice round, so we're going to find Maybe. out. I hole one. Hole one might be a destroyer for the carry, but I don't yeah. know. I mean, I'm definitely throwing it on hole one. We're gonna see if it gets there. Hell yeah! All right,
2: we'll, <laughs> we'll be excited to see the video tomorrow at some point. Hopefully. Oh
0: yeah, dude. Yeah, these things. These things are awesome, man. Hell yeah, I love it. Oh sweet, I can't. Well. Uh-oh. Oh yeah! Did he just, just flip upside, upside down? down.
4: <laughs> oh, and we lost. Oh, audio. and we lost, we lost audio. We oh boy.
2: What did he even do? Oh, can you no. still hear us, Jeremy? Yeah,
5: right, so he can still hear us. He Jeremy, hear we,
2: we have had you on, and for some reason you're upside down and <laughs> muted. We we appreciate you joining in. Oh, no. I, I just want there everyone go. to go back Perfect. and watch this YouTube video. Jeremy, thank you so much for tuning in tonight and just hanging out with us, doing the live unboxing. We very much appreciate it. Good luck to you at d We hope to see another top 10 finish out of you so we can have you on again. Uh, What's that,
4: jeremy. awesome uh, that was weird no idea how that happened but i did right well he's on an ipad so maybe it yeah
1: there's something yeah. i don't know but That's hey, i'll hilarious. say there's very few people in this world that i'll take just straight up calling me wrong on a subject so jeremy one and of those i people, am one of them no I, I don't like that i will defend i will argue to the end of my life you argue defense. with everyone yeah.
4: you're just devil you're you are <laughs> the devil's advocate yeah
1: but not with Jeremy. I appreciated the uh, his points. So oh,
2: I have to say we'll we'll have to get a clip of that, Ben. I don't know if you know how to do the clipping. Make sure we get a clip at the end of that. But um, yeah, Jeremy, down. I love it. He's so intense with everything, and he makes very valid points. And he's very, you know, I don't know how to say it. it's just sound in his words. Like he's true to what he believes in. I think, and uh, yeah, it was awesome being able to do an unboxing with him live
1: yeah and he cares like i mean yes. uh, he, he cares and he wants he wants the best you know for the whole sport for the tour and uh, he's just yeah. he's a good dude who cares about the right things and uh yeah good one ben there uh so <laughs> we got we got parker will coming in the green room yep. very soon we do uh, i do want to say yeah. uh before we bring him on just to cover the event a little bit more i wanted to highlight uh, joel freeman's cash streak It uh, ended this past week, unfortunately, but it was the highest elite or major cash streak. Uh, After we saw Nate Sexton uh, miss cash earlier this year, Joel Freeman took the reins of that uh, leaderboard. Uh and unfortunately missed cash here at LWS Open. It ended, I believe it was 57 standard and elite majors in a row. He was a hundred percent cash rate at Disc Golf Pro Tour events in his entire career. Um, and that was with oh man, I had the number. It's on our Instagram post. It was 60 plus events, I believe, at Disc Golf Pro Tour events. But now the leader of the elite or major uh cash streak is Calvin Heinberg, who's at 32 straight um standard elite and major events, uh getting cash. Um and the player with the most disc golf pro tour starts in MPO uh, with 100% cash rate is, I'm going to just double check I have the right one. It's Evan Smith. I get Evan Smith and Evan Scott mixed up just like everyone else, uh, but it is Evan Smith who only has 13 uh, disc golf pro tour starts but has 100% cash rate. So that tells you something. It's hard Dang, to cash in him. every event. Yeah. Uh, the leader is a, a very young player with only
2: 13 starts. Dang, that's awesome. Well, thank you, Evan, for those stats. Uh, We are now going to bring in Parker Welk. Uh, Parker won the DDO earlier this year, and some of you may be wondering why are we bringing Parker on? Parker is native to the island of Hawaii, and Maui, I think especially, was one of his, or his hometown that was there. And we're gonna talk to him a little bit just about his injury that's been going on, injured the ankle over at Ledgestone, and then just about the Hawaii stuff and what we can do as a community to potentially help out. So, Ben, will you bring in Parker for us? Yes, indeed. Thank you. Parker, thank you for joining in tonight. Appreciate you taking the time from driving to hang out with us. How are you doing, first off? Oh, he's frozen right now. Oh, Go ahead. One more time, Parker. <laughs> His data's bad. Do you know how to lower the data that you're asking for? Yes, I, I do. I'll try that, but All right. it might
4: just be because he's... yeah driving or in a parking lot give me a second
1: all right well we'll get back to him uh it, when he, ben played the joke again and had him go hey evan uh, yeah hey, it was him. perfect so uh it's not a great then so i'm sure yeah. we can get it working here in just a second ben will work his uh matt magic uh or
4: maybe i don't know his date is pretty bad all right well we're gonna try our best because we do might, we do want to hear from i might have yeah. him just call in unless he can get to like uh
2: if he Starbucks. can get somewhere with potentially a little bit better service, then we can bring him on in because we actually do have a very fun Evan, how'd you message him? Up.
1: I was messaging him on Instagram. Okay.
2: Do you want me from, to I can message, him your the message You yeah. guys just talk.
1: Not okay. from the show.
2: Evan, earlier pre-show, we were talking about regular season oh, player of the year. I, oh,
4: I think he's, he's here good now. It's green bars. You ready, Parker? Parker. We'll see if this.
1: Well, his screen's going blank.
4: blank.
2: Okay, well, we'll hop in between (laughs)
1: subjects. We'll hop in. Yeah. Nick, you were saying we were talking about regular season awards.
2: Regular season awards. We're going to talk about player of the years in their respective division, MPO and FPO, and then also most improved players of the year for MPO and FPO. And this for regular season. We're not talking about year end. We're talking about before the playoffs, pre playoffs, whatever you want to call it, the regular season. Evan, hit us with your thoughts.
1: Yeah, and I mean, there's not an award for the regular season disc golf. We'll, we'll talk about what is the regular season or not. Um, I do think it's a good timing. We're getting close to season's end. Who do we think are the leaders in each category and what we'll take to uh, to take the reins from that? Uh, I, I wanted to bring most improved into the mix as well because we just had the two 2022 most improved winners both win with Gannon Burr and Valerie Mendojano. I think that one's very... It's very subjective to choose what it is. Everyone has their own criteria, so it's a little bit tougher. But that's why we're sharing our thoughts and getting to it. Um, to start off, let's go player of the year. Uh, I mean, we can talk about our accolades, but I, I think it's pretty clear at this point in FPO that Kristen Tatar is the is the is the player of the year. All things considered, uh, Nick or Ben? Is there anything? There's no
2: there's no debate.
1: Is there any debate? Like, uh, I don't know who would be no. next. Um, I mean, Katrina Allen has two wins, but uh, she also just missed cash uh, at LWS open and had a, her worst finish in her FPO career, not to rain on the negative, but um, if she won out, would it be a, a question? Would another player won out, they would be tied in majors. Jason Tatar has two of the four uh, numerous other elite wins. I think it's really hard for anyone else to win, but
2: mm-hmm.
1: I think it's worth at least asking the question and seeing if they're, if somebody else won out, would there be any
2: chance? No, if somebody else won I out, won no, I still don't won. think that. Oh, Miss,
1: Missy Gannon wins every event from here on out. We, we are talking it, about throw it, pink. We're world, talking about the World Championships. Yeah. We're talking
2: We're about, about the Pro Tour Championships. And I mean, U.S. Women still has
1: happened. Yeah. It's uh, right before USDGC and Those, those are pink. four massive events. You could you could D-Glo, make the argument. Wins, yeah. yeah.
2: You could make uh, the argument. MVP open and deglow with that. Yeah, if she, I mean, let's say there's six tournaments left that are on kind of the Elite Series and major scale. If she won all six of those in a row, yeah, you would be able to make somewhat of an argument, you know I would what? assume.
4: Uh, I'd say it would be better the than Cat Kristen Merch. Tatar's season. That's my hot take. It's, it's pretty cool to my... I'd say it, it, if someone won all the events for the rest, I think it would be the, better than Kristen Tatar's season. That's yeah, my I, opinion. Just because uh, Worlds is yeah. in there and throw pink. Now two that I said it, I,
1: I agree as well. I mean, uh, the chances of that, the chances of any player winning every event here on out, uh, it's slimmed well. Yeah. And it's the highest happen. chance of those definitely being Kristen Tatar. Yeah. So a player other than Kristen Tatar doing that would be uh, pretty incredible.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. But on the MPO side, I think right now it's a two horse race, but it definitely isn't um, only two horses two players um i think more could be in the mix depending on how the rest of the season plays but as of now i think it's a choice between calvin heimberg and gannon burr uh stamando we have our player of the year rankings where we run the points let me go check it real quick because it is awfully close uh calvin heimberg leads with 4501 points gannon burr is at 4409 points um just a little over 90 points behind So, uh, I'll start with you, Nick. Uh, Gannenberg has more wins, but Calvin heinberg has been more consistent. They both have had fantastic seasons. Who do you give the nod to?
2: I want to give the nod right now to Calvin Heinberg, just because consistently he's been playing so freaking well. With one finish at a major outside of the top 10, he finished in 16th place, but Gannenberg does kind of have these hit or miss events when I'm looking at his PGA page. We've got... You know, 10th, 10th, 19th, 21, 24, 24, 30, and 50th with a missed cash. I think if I'm looking at consistently who is playing better this year and who I think is the player of the year right now, I want to tip my cap to Calvin Heinberg.
1: All right, Ben, Uh, I, can you just send me uh, the number for Parker to call? I'm going to send it to him. He um, He's sharing a car with someone, so he's going to be staying in that spot, so he'll try to call in.
4: Okay, okay.
1: If you can just shoot in the message. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um,
4: it, in mark.
1: my opinion as well, I, I think I'm still leaning towards Calvin Heinberg just because of the pure consistency. Uh, his worst finish of the year is 16th at Champions Cup. I think every other event on tour has been a top 10 finish. Yeah. Ganenberg, while having an extra elite win and having an extra silver win, so two wins on tour more, whether you want to count silvers or not, uh, has had numerous events like outside the top 30, which – before this season he hadn't done in his career he was actually 100 percent top 30 before um but not to take away from that just i, I think the consistency matters when it's so close and wins the consist- consistency matters more now let's say uh gannon Burr wins one of the two majors for the rest of the year and nothing else and calvin doesn't win anything else i think that would be enough to give it yeah. to gannon but. Especially
2: if we're talking, we're talking about the two majors that are kind of the most prestigious events that we've had in disc golf for a very long time—the World Championships and the United States Disc Golf Championships. I think if Gannon wins one of those and has solid finishes at the rest of the events, and Calvin has solid finishes but doesn't get a single win at those events, then I think I kind of start leaning more towards Gannon, just because we're talking about wins on the bigger stage, and we are talking about now a substantial number of wins, potentially more. Um, but like I said, as of right now, I, I think Calvin does have that player of the year.
1: All right. Pardon me for a second. No, ben, you're good. you want to say chime in on anything?
4: Um, yeah. Again, good player. Good kid. Good stick. Uh, Calvin also a good guy.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> All right. Ben, do we have that number open yeah, to receive calls? Yeah, yeah. I
4: just sent that to you. <laughs> okay awesome I just sent it over to Parker
1: so okay, hopefully so, we're a to and,
4: and and next time you get anyone comments ever about Matt being on the show like th- re- be reminded about all the mishaps okay like Matt is necessary just as like Nick's necessary just like Evan's necessary we all play our part and um yeah oh incoming call oh <sighs> uh, here we go I don't know like I, I honestly don't know how I'm going to swing this I'm literally just kind of guessing um so you, you know, guys why? keep talking
2: Oh, I'm going to talk about something really quick. Well, let's, let's take a quick break from the player of the year talk. I want to talk about everyone going to our YouTube channel and subscribing to it. Can you guys oh, hear that? Here we go. Can you hear us? I don't think. Hold on. Okay. You- I'm going to keep it going. Anyways, everybody subscribe to the channel. We've got a massive 10K giveaway going on in collaboration with the MVP Open at Maple Hill. This is for two VIP tickets worth $2,200 between both of them, $1,100 a piece. And if you subscribe to the YouTube channel, you do have a major chance of winning these tickets and being able to experience VIP status at the Maple Hill Open, or excuse me, the MVP Open, golly, throwback. At the MVP Open, we are literally 80 subscribers away from 10K. And we want to be able to give this to you. So go subscribe to the YouTube channel, The Nick and are all we right. where are we at
1: we're we're working with parker right now i'm um, trying I, I believe he said he could not hear us oh, okay so. evan
4: can you just tell him the, what you can oh 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 there awesome. we go in oh my god yo let's go
1: all we need to know i don't have the chat open because i'm still working on my setup can the chat yes uh, i can. hear
2: parker awesome we're golden then sweet if everyone can hear everybody Parker, we are going to now officially welcome you onto the show a second time. How are you doing? Can Parker hear me? Because this actually might have happened before. Ben, talk to Parker. Can he? Oh, you can hear me, Parker. Oh, oh. okay. He can hear you. Ooh. Okay. Okay. All right. Tell him Hold this. On, We're me, gonna. Me, I'm gonna collab because he's he's only gonna be on for a short minute. So Ben, just ask him how he's doing for one. How's the ankle injury? And then also, just about what's going on out in Hawaii. Hey, Parker, I'm
4: I'm the English translator here for Nick. Um, so, what basically what we're wondering is one, how you're doing? How's the ankle injury? And and um, sorry, I'm reading the chat. They said they can't hear, but now they can. And um, yeah, just about Hawaii. Anything you want to bring awareness to? I, I know you have a couple of fundraiser going on so yeah just anything in that realm if you want to just talk
5: right now am i good to go you're good to go all right what's up everybody i know i can't hear you but thanks for having me on i appreciate it um i will start off with my ankle i guess the injury um it kind of it kind of has transitioned into my arm a little bit as well unfortunately Uh, because of the, it's on video. I'm not sure if you guys have seen the video of me jamming a 60 foot putt, jumped over the river. There was some rocks underneath some taller grass and came down on a funny and I thought I snapped it. It it made a a very, very loud noise when I went down on it. And I guess it just cracked pretty loud. We had, I was playing with Kevin Jones and he he got on the phone with Seth Muncie real quick. Um, and he came over like the awesome human he was, it wasn't broken. So uh, according to him, so I finished out the round, the the last two holes I had to play. And then um, I kind of just went over to get it checked out a little bit more after the round. And he said, don't play on it, but I played on it. So I played Northwood black all forehand, which was awesome. Such an experience. It was so much fun. Did not think I was going to make the cut, but I still wanted to try. And I ended up birding the last four in a row to make the cut. And I don't think I will ever forget that day. It was so so much fun. Uh, I was throwing some amazing shots and some of the worst shots I've ever thrown in my entire (laughs) life, just trying to force them on some some crazy angles and stuff. But it it really was a lot of fun. Um, But the ankle is doing decent now. There's All the swelling is pretty much gone, but it is very discolored um, above my ankle. So I won't be doing any practice rounds this week. But there's no way that I'll be missing this tournament. So I'm going to try my best again to, to play. And if the ankle you know, holds up, then I'm good to go.
0: Now,
2: Ben, yeah. since he can't hear us, just tell him, okay, thank you. Give me one second. Okay, thank you, Parker.
4: Give me one second.
2: Um, ask him about best ways that the disc golf community can help out with Hawaii.
4: So Parker, um, what, what's the best way the disc golf community can help up, out with the situation in Hawaii? And if you want to give a, just a little backstory about what's going on in Hawaii and how it's uh, affecting you and stuff like that.
5: Yes, of course. Um, so, Basically, right now, there's been such a a disaster going on in my hometown where I grew up in Lahaina, Hawaii. Nobody really knows how it started. It's all speculation still, but I guess they're saying it's a mix between some high winds, there was a hurricane that passed near the Hawaiian Islands, and maybe like a, a downed telephone pole or something, and that started the fire, but it's all speculation. And that turned into the deadliest fire in us history in the past century which is very unfortunate especially for in a place like that where it's the history is just so rich um, especially to the hawaiian people and it's so sad and um my heart is my heart is just breaking for for everyone affected not even just those who lost their homes their businesses but everyone else who has been there who has memories there um and everyone else on the island, it affects even though they're they're not part of it. Their house wasn't burnt down, but they everybody knows everybody out there, and it's very very sad. Um, a lot of my friends, their their home's burnt down. My brother's home burnt down, and um, it's it's a really bad situation out there right now. And what we can do to help right now is pray and, and donate to them. Um, I, I was working with Prodigy to make a run of discs that um, 100% of the, the, the money is going to go right back into Hawaii and um, to whatever that may be, whether it's, you know, food or if they need gas or water. Um, but, you know, I'm getting a bunch of inside stuff from my brother who I talked to, and he's saying that it's, it's way worse than what the, the news is telling everybody. There's way more death there's way more destruction and um it's very very sad so it, you know prayer is the number one thing and and donate if you can and uh you know it's 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 so terrible
4: so with the uh prodigy disc is is that available already where people can support or is it yet to happen
5: um it's been going on actually they've they've sold out three times i believe already and they keep running them okay cool. uh, which i'm very thankful for yes. so they're on our fourth run i believe right now and those might already be sold out and i'm not sure how many more they're doing um but if you guys want one of those feel free to go pick one up on prodigydisc.com so-
2: okay that was gonna be my next question um all right yeah wild wild situation going on in maui definitely not something that you want to read or hear about going on in the world right now um but to our disc golf community and to the nick community if you can head over to com, and if they still have the discs available please go support it um, with them throwing all the proceeds to be able to help out with the relief going on in maui right now to kind of end it, Ben, ask him just kind of plans for the rest of the season with the ankle injury. I know he says he wants to play d and then uh, we can let him go and get back to his drive. Um,
4: Well, the chat just asked, I'll ask a few things. One, Someone in the chat asked, is there a way to donate directly? One. Two, um, what's your plans after... I guess this this show is. Are you gonna head to Deglow MVP um, Worlds? What's your plans once your injuries
5: healed? And uh, yeah, um, yeah. So if you guys go online, this there's so many different ways you can donate. Um, it just depends on which one you would like to do. So do some research. Make sure you're not donating to anything fake. Um, and but yeah, there's plenty plenty of options there and my plans right now i i just said bye to my tour partner jake brown he will not be um finishing the tour with me he's heading home back to uh huntington beach area orange county and i'm continuing with the dream <laughs> i don't have a car i don't have anywhere to stay um so right now i'm staying with with yuli on his floor but if anyone is out there is staying near the courses on any of the pro tour stops and uh, wants, wants to host me, please reach out to me. I'd love for that to happen. But for right now, I am I am up here at D-Glow. Um, like I said, I probably won't be doing any practice rounds. Um, and then I will probably just just kind of just go out there and play it by and see what happens. I don't know. Um, but it is a once-in-a-lifetime <laughs> opportunity, or it could be for me, to, to even qualify for this event. So I'm going to play it. Um, and from here on out, I'll be doing pretty much everything else for new york and canada but i'm signing up for worlds usdgc mvp um and i just got an email today about the pro tour championships and i'm in so i'm really excited for that as well there
2: you go. that's awesome uh we any ways experience. to directly support parker
4: and a- any ways to directly support you or or i guess even your brother directly if uh a- a- yeah anything
5: so I did put out on my Instagram, it was my Venmo because there was no self-service or anything for a lot of people in Hawaii. And um, so you guys can still do that. And I will disperse it to either my brother or my close friends. I have many, many friends that lost their homes. It wasn't just my brother. Um, that was one of the main towns that all of my friends lived in most fortunately that everything is just gone it's 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 super sad but i i'll say my venmo you guys can put it up or or do something and i'll disperse it to everybody all my friends my brother everybody that lost anything there it's parker dash welk w-e-l-c-k you guys can send Venmos to there and i'll give them out to people directly to the families
4: parker dash w-e-l-c-k
2: and now, Ben, you get to do the wonderful job of thanking them for coming on to the show for a little bit. I will. Right, well, and yeah, go ahead.
4: Parker, thanks for coming on to the show. We appreciate you, you know, carving out some time in this stressful thing that's going on in Hawaii. And, uh, you know, thoughts and prayers are going out to all your families and friends. And, you know, we, we hope to see you all healthy for D And uh, we hope you shred. Is there anything else you want to say before we let you go?
5: I just want to say thank you guys for having me and bringing a little bit more awareness to why it, it really does mean a lot. And, and uh, thank you guys. I, that's awesome. I appreciate you guys.
4: Yeah. Yeah, of, of course. course. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the least we could do. It's such a tragedy that's happening. It's literally the least yeah. we could do. So thanks again.
2: Appreciate thank it. You. I know you oh, can't yeah. hear us, but appreciate it, Parker. And let Ooh. us know is the, there we go. The hang up sound. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, one more time, guys. If you can, go buy a disc, help support it, uh, the efforts that are going to Maui and everything like that. Uh, very tragic situation going on right now. Um seen a couple of videos of it. Uh, just absolutely insane. People, you know, jumping into the ocean. I can't imagine losing my home, losing, you know, my car or anything like that. So if you can, please help out where you can. But Evan, we still do have a few more minutes left of the show. We'll kind of finish up our talk. We did, I think, kind of all come to the consensus that Calvin Heinberg and Kristen Tatar are the players of the year currently in the regular season. Now let's talk a little bit about most improved player, and I'm just going to throw it right out there, James Proctor. I feel like is kind of the guy in MPO right now that's the most improved player.
1: Yeah, I think it's a... It's a little weird this year. I don't know. It, maybe it's more clear than last year. Last year was a little weird, too. Um, as soon as you said James
4: Proctor, I'm like, ah, dang it. Why didn't I think of that? Ezra because Robinson kind of, is what, yeah. what the chat's
2: saying as well. Recent okay. Recency bias, I think, a little <laughs> bit on the Ezra Robinson. But a little bit, maybe.
1: I Ezra Robinson was my thought, and I think, Nick, you, you do have it right. The recency bias is a little high. I think James Proctor is an interesting one because he's – been around a while he's had some really good finishes but not to the amount of this year um as in he's been consistent all year long it's not just like hey look it's portland open this guy james proctor from the west coast is playing well it's week in and week out we see him on lead cards we see him finishing top 10s top 20s um and like it you know it, just a lot more consistency so i had ezra robinson going into this now that you say james proctor i feel like that's a lot more clear but they're close i think
2: both they're were close. the both but were i think the it's players. yeah i think it's a little bit of recency bias with ezra since kind of the european swing jumping over into you know the latest swing that we've been having the midwest swing i think but ezra's playing incredible don't get me wrong it's been awesome to see what you kind of know as a powerful wide open player really shredded up in the woods that we've seen lately northwoods black um this past weekend at idle wilds i'm pretty sure he played pretty well um so definitely his name but I, I just james all year i feel like has just been consistently on the lead card at some big events some elite series some silver series almost getting a couple wins you know right there the final round doesn't exactly go the way that he wants to but i i want to say that he's he's my guy
1: Yeah, I like that. Uh, Let's swing it over to FPO. I'm going to be like, this one's hard. I think it's it's really tough. You think about the players who are playing really well this year. I mean, people... Are probably going to argue kristen Tatar is approved on last year, which I mean she's having a fantastic season. Yeah, let's. Yeah, we're
2: not doing that's that. That's not it. That's not it.
1: Yeah. We we got to move on. Um, uh, you know, Missy Gannon uh, wins this year from you know she had a win last year too, but now we're two years removed for her great 2021 finish. Uh, like Katrina Allen's own Scoggins. I mean, people are going to think Ella Hansen, Holly Hamley, but. Uh, it, it's kind of tough because I feel like they both have almost been under expectations, uh, fantastic players who are playing really well, but you almost expected it a little bit more. Their ceiling still hasn't been close to being reached. Um, so uh, looking down, there's a lot of players who, who are good getting better, but it kind of feels like there's not that player who's head and shoulders above. Uh, I'll also mention like Macy Villa Diaz and Emily beach mm-hmm. uh, both have had good finishes, but they've had good finishes before this year. Um, maybe they've been a little bit more consistent this year, having a little bit, uh, more events played. So it's tough. The pick I had going into this though, which I think it can be argued. It's a little bit of a stretch, but I still feel like it's worthy is Allie Smith. And the tough part about this is she barely played last year. I think she, I have it up right here. Um, she only played, uh, five, um, elite uh, and made major elite and silvers so on tour uh last season her best finish was 22nd at the music city open last year a silver event um this year the most improved part is almost throughout the year so the award kind of is more of a year-to-year thought Mm -hmm. uh but it (sighs) I kind of want to give it a pass this year because to start out the year, uh, you know, she was finishing, you know, mid twenties, then kind of breaking into the, uh, teens and top 10. But then lately it's been fantastic since like the West coast or so. Um, mm-hmm. and I mean, just recently, I mean, she did have an 18th at ledgestone, but you know, um, the Kansas city wide open was her win. She got a ninth at dynamic Dis Open, and then going out to the West coast swing. She was, you know, 13th at, uh, OTB at two top tens at the silver events. And then another top 20 at Portland open. It, it it feels like she classifies the most for most improved, but I'll leave it to both y'all.
2: I kind of like that, and I was actually just going through her PDGA page. Twenty sixth is her lowest placement, and actually twenty sixth that Idlewild was her first missed cash of the season so far. So someone who oh, no. someone whose name I didn't really know about too much before until this year, until we had her on the podcast. I think that's awesome. She hadn't missed cash literally until this last weekend. But I kind of throw it up to three people that we've heard about a lot this year that haven't gotten that big win yet, except for Kat Murch. She's one of my people. I know she won Jones, bro. But Ella Hansen, Holland Hanley, and Kat Merch are having such similar seasons with each other. But I think they are all playing above average to what I think I would have put on at the beginning of the year for them. So I'm kind of in a toss-up between those three. And then the Allie Smith one was really good. A lot of people in the chat right now are saying Cyananda. I think Cy is definitely a good choice as well. Has not played as many events, though. Did pick up the Silver Series win. Also had the second place finish at the DG Plus event at the Portland Open. But when it comes to, I feel like most improved player, I almost, I'm in a pretty good debacle right now between holland hanley and cap merch and i almost want to tip my cap to cap merch because she did get the big win at Jonesboro. and those are players where we don't see them in contention week in and week out last year we did not see that we saw it here and there one of them would be in contention maybe but this year you know we've seen holland hanley's come up and name come up a lot ella hansen almost took down waco cap merch actually took down Jonesboro just three really good players that I think are slowly excelling in the right direction. So I kind of want to give it to cat merch.
1: Well, that brings us to bed. Ben, what do you think?
4: Um, I mean, it's pretty obvious what I'm going to pick here. It starts with a K ends with a T cat merch. Um, I picked her all season. Um, numerous times, I've really believed in her her stride, I guess, as a as a FPO player. And yeah, her taking down the big win was a huge step. And I think she would be considered the most improved player on the FPO side. On the MPO side, uh, yeah, I guess Proctor, probably Proctor, but it's hard because he was always good. It's just he wasn't really shown, if that makes sense, because he was not touring. Yeah. And yeah. oh wait, All and right. James Proctor looks like Evan Kern,
2: so there you go. What? He does?
4: <laughs> That's an
1: insult. I guess the James
2: Proctor. <laughs> I guess you just gotta put on some sunglasses, Evan. And then yeah. Ben thinks you guys yeah. would be twins. It's true.
1: Yeah. I I don't so. know about that. Uh I don't want to bring James down to my level of uh of a tier below james proctor i don't know how to say that without making uh, it sound negative towards myself uh let's bring it into uh our pop picks now
2: from i was just about to segue into that dude we got the pop picks now someone on twitter i'm gonna throw this out to the chat real quick okay i gotta throw this out to the chat real quick someone on twitter said why the hell am i not calling this how can you not call the segment pop lock and drop it your pop off player solid player and your biggest letdown pop lock and drop it chat do we like that name or, or do we like the pop-off player of the week so i'm going to kind of throw that out to you guys ben if you know how to make a post or a poll toll poll thing oh, go ahead and i make one of those. i can do that right now i, I do like go. this
1: idea that's something we could talk about we can't decide anything until we're back on with matt though exactly be, uh, anyways
2: right now it's called the pop-off list. players or pop players whatever we want to call it evan shoot yep all right well let's cover last week's first um
1: so uh in last place for the second week in a row we got mr ben kenny no with negative 30 points ben you pick gavin rathbun and lisa fakas they both are negative points uh oh. gavin rathburn's average finish on the year was 46 he finished seventy sixth. 30 points lisa Fakus. Uh, averaged 16 and a half about she finished 17th. So you lost less than a point, but still lost points in third place. We have the winner from last week, Matt Graham. He's not here to defend himself and why those picks should have been great. Uh, They weren't good enough. (laughs) Negative 22 points. He picked Holly Finley and Brody Smith. Uh, Holly Finley averaging 18 and a half on the season finished 20th. Uh, so about a point and a half lost Brody Smith. Otherwise, uh, 39th average finish and he finished 60. So that's negative uh, 20, 21 points, 20 and change uh, for a total of negative 22 points. He's still positive overall, thanks to the uh, 46 points last week. I will be keeping track of this year to year. Um, just didn't add it up yet with only two events. And we'll skip number two to talk about the winner first. I mean, I'm going to be honest. It's pretty obvious. It's me. I was the only person who was positive this week, and I scored 61.6 points. Just, it wasn't even close. Uh, uh, Nick, you came in second. You got negative two points. So Okay, that's, about, not, that's not terrible. About, yeah, yeah, about middle. You're positive on I'll take that. Yeah, that was a joke, Ben, because it was a blowout. It wasn't even close. So yeah, and, I had to no wait this long blowout. for
4: the punchline?
1: Yeah, you did. Uh, <laughs> I picked, um, what is this, Jeremy Colling and Madison Walker both made huge splashes in their Popped finish off. and both for the respective div- divisions that we picked had the worst average finish coming into this event. Uh, so Madison Walker average finish at 25th. She was leading after round one, ultimately finished fourth. Uh, this doesn't account ties either. It's just what place you finished. So I'm not getting into all that, but uh, tie for fourth means fourth uh, and Jeremy Colling averaging 50th on the season. He finished 10th year. That's 40 points from him. 21, From uh, Madison Walker, giving me 61 in total. That gives me almost 100 on the season, uh, the most by a lot to want to rub that in.
4: I know I'm Um, winning this next one, guaranteed, because I have the best pop pick ever. Going
1: to uh, Nick to at least cover his picks, he picks Zach Ollinghaus and Macy Villa-Diaz. Both did about average. Uh, Villa-Diaz was 10.75 average on the season, finished 12th. Only a few negative points or a point and a half-ish. Uh, and then Zach and House averaging 43rd, finished 44th. Uh, lost less than a point there when you consider the average. Just my uh, freaking change. luck. So, uh, yeah, I'll take the win there. Uh, I got win. Matt's got a win. I got the most points overall. But yeah. let's talk about picks for this week. Should we start with pop
2: picks? Yeah. We'll start with pop picks. Can I go? Yeah, we'll okay. start with pop picks. We're That's on the subject the right now. One we'll start we'll start i with just
4: want i want to get mine on the table yeah. right now i want to get mine on it. the table all, all right. you
1: i have mine set so if they're the same as yours they are the same as yours okay
4: i have mine set too right here right yep. now we are going to go with well, i'll go i'll start with fpo we are going to go with Maria Oliva. um that's i think she's gonna pop off here Um, she just got to throw far and, and make putts like everyone else. But, um, yeah, I think she has a low enough average where if she does well, I can get some points in my MPO pick, I think is the best, greatest pick of all time. I'm going with Manabu Kajiyama, um, because he hasn't played a pro tour and wherever he finishes is, uh, is better than not playing a pro tour. (laughs)
1: I was cre- almost pre-show going to say no one can pick him. Yeah, no, that that doesn't finish. make sense
2: though because he doesn't have an average right now, so this event creates his average. Yeah, but it's
4: at zero. Okay, yeah, you're right.
2: <laughs> yeah,
4: I'm- <laughs> but uh, I'm sticking with it. No, I'm kidding. All right, I'll I'll go for real. Um, pop pick. Mm, I'll go. I'll go Raven Newsom. There you go. That's my actual pop pick. But, you but just know it's actually Manabu Kajiyama.
2: <laughs> that doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> All right. My pop pick on the FPO side of things Rebecca Cox. Oh, I was going to pick her too. Good job. I think this is her event to pop off a little bit. And then on the MPO side of things, a little bit tougher. It's a Discraft event my boy andrew fish is gonna pop off at this event
1: all right yeah uh, we gotta first of all we gotta get matt's picks is he still in the chat we do we Otherwise, will get matt's picks i haven't seen him in the chat in. for a while we gotta lock him in pre-event
2: i actually i'm gonna write mine down
1: i am gonna go jk juliana Corver uh for fpo uh, her average isn't as good as she probably would like, but she's had some good finishes. She's really popped off this year, and the music's for me. Nice. In uh, MPO. I'm gonna go, Mr. Channimal, Chandler Fry. Another disc pl- uh, disc craft player. Excuse me. Funny enough, I almost roster. said
2: him, and then I saw Fish's name, and I was like, kind of feeling Fish a little bit more, but yeah. I almost said Chandler. Well, let's go, Fish Fry. Fish Fry.
1: Nice little combo there.
2: And Juliana. All right then let's I'll go. let you guys I'm writing these down so I'll let you guys start off with regular picks nice nah, yeah.
1: regular picks Ben goes Manibu Kajiyama highest rated player at this tournament 1056
4: dude like five imagine,
1: points better than Calvin Imagine he wins. so
4: he's gonna win by like a stroke and a half over Calvin imagine he wins just imagine just, just imagine. close your eyes and imagine that Manabu Kajiyama winning that would be the greatest day of my life and I've been born
1: Oh, goodness! <laughs> all right, go ahead, I'll, Evan. I'm gonna be honest. I didn't think about these picks before at all. all right, I, I, I guess I'll I go. did get pop picks set, so I gotta, I'll go.
4: I'll go then. I have mine set in stone. I'm gonna go with the Simon Lazat. I think it's oh. it's t- his time to actually pop off. He's been playing decent. He played finished what? Idlewild. I think you know he can he can take this down. He throws far enough. It's just and. It's just about, you know, getting getting the putter 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 going, which I think he has been pretty hot as of late. And um for FBO, I'm going to go with someone who I've been picking for a while, who have been wanting to win for a while, and that is Ella Hansen. Um, I think her power, you know, this is a powerful course. I think her power is gonna take her far. It's just about for her keeping it in the fairway and um just playing clean golf, some sexton golf, and I think she she takes a W.
1: All right. I'm all set. If you want me to go next. Go ahead. Yeah, you can go ahead. All right. I'll start with MPO. Interesting trend at DGLO. The wins come in twos as a disc golf pro tour event. We had Paul McBeth win two in a row. Eagle McMahon win two in a row. We saw Calvin Heinberg win last year. And we're on the sixth year. So the trend says two in a row for Calvin Heinberg. So it it's kind of hard to argue with that and with as easy as it is to pick Calvin Heinberg as like a perfect lock. If this is pop, lock, and drop, like yeah. Calvin Heinberg's my lock. So that's an easy pick right there. Uh, let me go him, but I'm excited for this. I think there's so many people who could win. Uh I was toying with an Anthony Brilla, but can't. Calvin Heinberg, it is. Uh FPO. This is a person who likes to win in twos. She won both in Oregon last year back to back. I'm picking both in the Midwest back to back. Val Mandajano. Manda she Hanno. finished pretty solid last year. Yeah. Looked it up. What was it? Uh she was four off the win from Natalie Ryan. Natalie Ryan, who's playing this event this year. Uh four off the win. Uh, but we know it was close. She was in a uh a uh, close battle with a lot of the other top finishers and looking pretty good after that Ida Wild win. I was close to picking Ellen Scoggins. I'm but she's my lock for the podium. So if that is our thing, I I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. I can't do pop lock and drop picks. But
2: Owen Scoggins with a sneaky second place finish last year, too. Yeah. Um and but, sneaky second
1: place this past week, right?
2: Yeah. Oh, dude, like, I know. <laughs> and like I know that well, she was my pick to win it. And yeah. I, yeah, she lost by six. But anyways. Um all right. MPO side, dude. I want to pick A B so freaking dude, bad because I just want A B to win so that'd be freaking a great bad. Pick. But I'm kind of like, I'm torn between A.B., Kyle Klein, and Eagle McMahon right now. I think Eagle comes back and shows a little bit of dominance at an event that he has shown dominance at. So I'm going to go with Eagle McMahon on the MPO side of things, winning this event. And then on the woman's side, Missy Gannon. Ooh. Missy Gannon takes a week off of not winning, comes back and gets another big money win. Big money, Missy, at the big money events. It's a playoff event, fat amount of added cash into it. Missy Gannon all day.
1: Let's go. Yeah, and so. to at least cover it, playoff events, they they won't feel too much different for a fan. It is four rounds, though, so even though it's yeah. one course of d four is pretty rounds, sweet. Yeah. The, the points are probably the biggest thing. Um, we are done with elite drops. Doesn't matter what your past elite uh, events were. You pick your top eight most points. Uh, That is done for the season. We won't see that again. Um, We will see some silver drops, uh, potentially. But playoffs, it's 150 points uh, to the winner, and you get all of that. No drops. Even majors you could drop. Um, from the first three, not the final one, for yeah. both divisions. Uh, so these points matter a lot. You'll see some players move up a ton. That uh, cut line for the Tour Championships can be awfully interesting. And I, I said this before the show that I was going to shout it out. So this is the time. Uh, I did want to say if you want to check out what that uh, cut line is for the Tour Championship, you can view the Disc Golf Pro Tour standings on uh, Statmando.com. We uh, will highlight if a player is currently in a position or automatically qualified. Uh, It is interesting because we had Parker Woke on today. We had Valerie Mandojano on today. Both of them are outside the positions to get into the tour championship, but because they won elite events, they're automatically in. So Parker, I believe he's in 56th which is way down the board, so you might miss him if you're just looking at the standings normally. Uh, but he is uh, in bold on Stamina.com, and we only cover the other 31 players otherwise, so it makes it a little obvious. Same with Val Mandahana, who's sitting, I think, in the 30s. Um, so check it out there. will be exciting out in Michigan.
2: Hell yeah. Well, it's 9-15, guys, 9:12, but that brings us to the end of the show we are going to get all these picks locked in and evan is going to be the stat guy and figure it out by the end of the weekend everybody thank you so much for tuning in this was an awesome show we wish matt the best of you know having fun out camping glamping whatever you want to call it once again thank you everybody for tuning in tonight don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel gives you a chance to be entered into our 10K giveaway. VIP passes to the MVP open. Comment, like, subscribe, do all those good things. Check us out on all your favorite podcast platforms. Leave us an awesome review. We appreciate every single one of you. I love you guys. Tell someone you love them this week. Keep Hawaii in your thoughts. We'll catch you in the next one. Nick, you're
4: awesome. Ben, you're awesome. Evan, you're awesome. Matt, you're also awesome. You're awesome. Shout out everyone. Thanks for tuning in as usual. All the love to Hawaii. All the love to Hawaii. All the love to Big Jerem Val. Thanks for
0: joining. See you later. The Nick and Matt Show, a disc golf podcast designed for you, the disc golfer. Find the Nick and Matt Show on your favorite podcast platforms or join the conversation live on YouTube.